Good morning, honorable members. <clears throat> Good morning, Minister and, and your team. Good morning, honorable members. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning Chair. Good morning, Chairperson. Good morning, Chairperson. Good morning, Chairperson. Um, good morning, Minister and your team. You're welcome to the meeting. Um, I hope I'm audible. Uh, thank you very much. Um, for coming to the meeting. Uh, we, there's the agenda on the screen, honorable members. Can we get the mover for the adoption of the agenda? Uh, move for the adoption, Chair. <clears throat> and also I want to acknowledge that 60 minutes there, if we could try, Chair. I think it's a good thing to have an idea of how much time we're spending on an item. So I think it's a good guide. Let's see how it goes. Thanks, Kolisa, for that. Um, <clears throat> thank you, Honorable Zeki, and uh, um, for the mover for the adoption. Can we get the seconder? I second, Chair. Thank you. Um, thank you, Honorable Malachi. I said it, Chair. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, let me take this opportunity to, to once again welcome you to the Portfolio Committee meeting. Unknown caller. And... and um, Request that uh, before we start with our meeting, as usual, I'm going to invite members to observe a moment of silence and of prayer. Mid, mid, um, yeah. Unknown caller. I've been distracted here, sorry. Um, <clears throat> Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> honorable members, you're welcome to the meeting. Um, we have three hours for this meeting as uh, allocated by parliament. Um, I'm going to request that we 
<clears throat> we help one another in managing time uh, properly. And, and I'll continue to guide how we should uh, <clears throat> handle the issues. And, and um, we are going to hand it over. Before we hand it over, let me uh, acknowledge apologies, uh, uh, colleagues, through yourself. Good morning, Chairperson, and good morning, members and guests. Uh, I only have one apology from Ms. Butelezi. Thank you, Chairperson. Okay, thank you very much. Ms. Um, Butelezi, we're still wishing her speedy recovery. And on behalf of the committee, we have sent flowers um, and message. And uh, Ms. Botelezi had, had responded, welcome that, and uh, we wish her a speedy recovery. We, on the agenda today, um, we have invited the department and the entities um, that are on the agenda to brief us on the uh, stabilization process. <clears throat> As you would remember that um, there were some issues uh, with HDA and we, we, we took a decision that uh, the, the, the department must, must engage, must involve herself in making sure that uh, there is stability um, in, in HDA. Um, we are now going to invite the minister. And let me take this opportunity again to welcome uh, the chairperson of uh, HDA and the chairperson of uh, is it, uh, practitioner, what? What is the new name for EAAP? Registered authority. What? Yeah. Party practitioners registered authority. Registered authority. Yes, yes. And the chair, uh, you're welcome. And I will allow the minister to introduce them. And we want to <clears throat> congratulate the minister for having moved with speed. In, in, in appointing the board into these two entities. Uh, Minister Kubai, you're welcome and your team can take us through. Thank you very much, Chair. Good morning to you. Good morning, honorable members. Good morning to the Deputy Minister, uh, Board Chairperson, uh, Mr. Stephen Gubeni and Dr. Rachidanga the CEOs, um, and as well as the DG and team. Um, thank you very much for this opportunity, Chair. I did submit my apology. It is a cabinet day. I do have a matter. Actually, I'm likely to be called now. I have a matter that I'm presenting in cabinet. Um, <clears throat> so as you know, we are required constitutional to attend cabinet. I felt that let me come and address the portfolio committee and engage with members of the com committee on this matter. And I hope I can be excused to go back so that we are able to present our matter in cabinet. Um, first issue, appreciating the request to come and present. We will take members of parliament through um, 
what we have been doing as the portfolio um, in terms of stabilizing both PPRA and as well as HDA. Let me start with PPRA. On PPRA chair and members of the committee, what we have done, as you know, we've appointed all the boards by um, the 1st of November. Uh, both the boards have been appointed. Um, I've received the report. The chairs are here, can take us through in terms of what they are doing on their part as the accounting authorities in those institutions. But we have ensured that uh, as they come in, they are inducted. They will take you through the presentation uh, through Didichin Ngongo uh, in terms of the presentation on what has been done um, on that. Secondly, it's the issue of um, chair ensuring that we build a relationship with stakeholders. I have, as the minister, met with um, stakeholders, including those that we have previously found ourselves in court, to try and ensure that we are on the same page on issues, reduce the risk of litigation between ourselves and the um, sector, which we have agreed, for example, in, with institutions such as Reposa, that they will engage the board, uh, they will give the board an opportunity to settle, they'll give an opportunity to board to look at the issues previously raised, uh, operational things that, for example, they would have been frustrated about and, and flag it with the board so that the board can deal with. But what we have done in the process of appointing the board, we've ensured that people who are members of the sector who are practitioners themselves, are members of the board so that they can help us deal with the issues that previously they would have been frustrated about. So out of those conversations, there's been confidence that we are on the right track and also commitment of working together and making sure that we get more out of court. So it's work in progress that we are doing. On issues around stabilization, I must say again, on PPRA, you would have noted previously, there would have been quite a number of allegations, reports in the media, and all this. Those reports, for example, or allegations that have landed on our desk, which was one specifically in relation to PPRA, uh, I have forwarded to the board for the board to process and deal with this was coming from the Public Service Commission, and that is being dealt with by the board. So our priority uh, members is to stabilize, ensure operational efficiencies, ensure that there is brand management and brand protection for our entities. So part of the issue there is to ensure that in what we are doing, uh, we ensure that there is good governance practices where there are allegations made we can investigate, and but we also make sure that it's relevant authorities that needs to deal with those. Uh, I have found in the portfolio that at times there's misunderstanding of the role of the executive authority, where you find people wanting the minister to get involved even on minor things, junior officials in the entities, which would have um, result or even reflect as interference by the executive authority. So that we continue to try and ensure that it's not something that uh, is, is actually um, done. So the team will take us through in terms of that. I have met with the board instructing them to ensure that there is stability, they, where there are vacancies, they fill the vacancies, but also with their induction to ensure that they understand PFMA and what needs to be complied with. Lastly, on PPRA as well, I dealt with the issues around their um, 
performance, annual performance plans. We've gone through, we've given feedback and ensured that what we would have to present in parliament is what we can all take responsibility for. On HDH, just from my side as well, is that, as you know, we have appointed the board stability that the board chairs here will go into detail in what they are doing as the board in stabilization and following on what we have given them as a mandate. There's been clear instruction to HDA to ensure that we stabilize as well. We build, rebuild the brand. We also ensure that executive positions have been filled. Yesterday, we have received a submission from the board with recommendations and requests for concurrence for the appointment of the CEO and the CFO. That will be processed. Once it's processed, announcements will be made. We are comfortable because at least this gives us, though initially I gave all the boards that have CEOs vacancies to say they must present that by end of February, but we are happy that this progress has been made and we should be able to move faster in terms of ensuring that there is stability in terms of leadership. Um, Chair, you would note in that will highlight some of the concerns. I must say, and again, in terms of HDA, we have a brand that is damaged. A lot of work has to be done. It's not going to be overnight. And I must say, colleagues, sometimes I feel uh, the public, especially in the media space, there is unfair pressure or unfair expectation from the bots, where sometimes it's not even recognized that these boards don't even have six months. And there's expectation that things must move um, to a particular direction that might even compromise the processes themselves, might even compromise the work of the entities as well. I'm saying this because there's been, since day one arrived in the portfolio, there's been quite a lot of allegations. Some would come through media, some will come through uh, one or two. One came with a WhatsApp, which was very extremely uh, worrying because it was some official who wrote in WhatsApp that was just there, yeah, something else. Um, but And then you have those uh, that would write in terms of whistleblower. So we have one whistleblower that we've asked them for the board to ensure that they protect, but also ensure that they follow whistleblower laws to be able to investigate and have a conversation with the individual which the board has already done. We might not go into detail, honorable members, on some of the investigation because they're still pending. But what we can assure is that we'll come once the reports have been done. Our commitment in the last time I was here was that during quarterly briefings, quarterly performance briefing when we come, we'll account fully in terms of the investigations, the recommendations on the audit. So that as part of what we call, uh, what is it that we are doing to respond to the issues that have been raised uh, in terms of other investigations. But part of the issue is that we will be doing a full media briefing this week in terms of the portfolio announcing new policy developments um, that are coming into effect of the 1st of April. But again, looking at what are the developments on the portfolio. My interest is to ensure that the board is not derailed from focusing, or all the boards are not derailed from focusing on the work at hand and getting the service to the people rather than more focused on investigation because I don't think they have the capacity uh, and no, is that what we want them to focus. So 
We will announce a mechanism that we'll deal with in the portfolio in terms of this, because I do think that at some point there is a need for us to ensure that there's stability. What we are dealing with as we deal with the stability, you have incidences or even some insinuation where you'd find that the sentiments you'd find is entities with individuals who've seen boards come and go, who've seen CEOs come and go, and they become so complacent. It happens even in departments where you find people who've seen ministers come and go, and they become so complacent. So even when you want to turn around, members must understand, it's not an easy task. Change is not easy, but we've got to do it because it's important. We've got to get everything back on track, systems on place, so that they can work for this government, they can work for the people of South Africa. We've got to be able to put uh, processes in place that gives us results, that gives us output, because the important thing is not whether we are compliant in terms of um, whether we, we get clean audits, but it's about also that is important, but it's about making sure that we are able to make the impact and turn the lives of South Africans around. This is a portfolio that is in the call phase of service delivery, and it's important for us to do that. So there are quite a number of things that are pending. Uh, that would request that we are allowed in terms of the investigations. Allegations members would have seen that some of the papers would have reported but allegations against the COO, allegations against the CO, and many other members of the executive in HDA, which we do believe that we have to deal with, but we must make sure that they do not derail us from focusing on doing the work because part of the issue as well is that you find that you get a lot of rumors, get a lot of information, so we do appeal as well where people, especially members of the public, if they do have information that is valid, that has evidence, would love to have it uh, so that we can deal with it once and for all. But my focus and my instruction to the board is that would want them to focus in making sure that the entity becomes an, a, a developer of choice in terms of HTA. The reputation that HTA has of the past, it's something of the past that we don't go on with. And we do know that change is not easy as you go. People will want to resist and continue with what they have done. So with those few words, Chair, uh, allow me to request both the chairpersons just to, um, or maybe just ask Didijin Nongwa to take us through the presentation, but immediately request um, Chairperson Ngubeni and Chairperson Rachidanga to make inputs in addition to what we are presenting today from their side as boards. What is it that they are, they are doing to augment what we have given them as a responsibility? Thank you very much, Chair. Uh, I will be here for about uh, an hour, Chair. Uh, as I said, I would want to be released if members agree so that I can be able to present the item we have as human settlements in cabinet today. But also my deputy minister is here who is also affair with the issues and is, is comfortable to deal with some of the issues. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Minister. Is the, uh... Thank you, Honorable Chairperson, Honorable Members, Honorable Minister, Honorable DM, DG, and the colleagues. Good morning. Um, I will take the committee through the presentation on what um, the department um, has done as interventions in order to stabilize the Housing Development Agency and the Property Practitioners Regulatory Authority. 
Um, Honorable Chair, um, I must say Minister has covered um, uh, some of the slides that I have. I will not repeat them. Um, that's the table of contents, it's, um, it's an indicative of what will be presented. And purpose of this meeting is to present to the portfolio committee the interventions undertaken by the department to stabilize the HDA and the PPRA. Um, next slide. Um, let me also indicate, Honorable Chairperson, that um, I will take the presentation as read. Um, just one bullet on this slide is that the intervention that we have done, um, it's, um, it was in response to the dissolved, uh, the board that was dissolved in 2019 in July, um, because um, cabinet concurrence was not obtained. Then we had um, interim board and we had um, two administrators in between. Um, the next slide. The next slide, please. The importance of this slide, um, Honorable Chair, um, is the one before that. Thank you. Uh, the importance of this slide um, is in terms of the compliance that um, as a department we had to go through when we appointed the board. Um, the minister has already indicated that um, the first priority in stabilization, in stabilizing these two entities was to actually appoint the board. So in terms of the compliance, we had to make sure that we, we comply with the legislation, enabling legislation um, for the HDA, which talks to um, um, how do we appoint the board and how many board members, and also the importance of getting, of appointing those representatives from other um, departments um, as they are, um, their contribution to human settlements is quite critical. Um, the next slide. Um, in terms of the compliance also, Chair, is that we had to ad advertise in the two um, print media um, and including the Gazette. So this is what we did when we advertised the board of the HDA with the closing date being the September 2021. The next slide, please. The next slide um, takes off from the term ended by the last administrator, who, um, which the end date was the 25th of November, 2021. And the new board was appointed by the minister through cabinet concurrence with effect from the 26th of November, 2021. And this board has been appointed for a period of three years. Um, this board is led by Dr. Dr. Rachidanga as the chairperson. Um, and the deputy chairperson is Ms. Dumabude. This is also in compliance with the enabling legislation. Um, let me also indicate, um, highlight the importance of having a representative who, who is Mr. Magan from the Department of Agriculture, Rural Development, and then Reform Representative. Um, it's quite critical for us um, at the HDA to have a representative um, from this department. Um, as we know that human settlements requires um, um, a lot of land um, in order to advance um, the portfolio objectives. And also in particular, also with the appointment of the representative from the Department of DPWI, um, also we need to have access to that portfolio of a uh, public portfolio that DPWI is managing um, to advance the human settlements mandate. So uh, both um, um, representatives of these two departments have been appointed. Um, the next slide, slide number nine. 
Slide number nine, Minister has already um, spoken to this slide. Um, let me not repeat what the minister have said in terms of the appointment of the CEO and the CFO. Um, the next slide. Um, also here, minister did touch on the, on the, on the rebranding of the HDA. Um, I will talk to the second bullet, which um, responds to the organizational structure. Now that we have done the strategy in terms of the strat plan and the APP, um, then the structure also needs to be considered so that um, the HDA is, is, is positioned correctly um, um, to undertake the responsibility that needs to be done. Um, let me also indicate, um, Chair, that um, in addition, the department also has scrutinized um, uh, the strategic plan and the, and the APP of the HDA um, um, with the minister in order to make sure that um, the targets that we have, they are aligned with the priorities um, of the minister. Um, and also there is alignment um, of our entities, um, um, Stratman and APP to the department and that of the sector. Um, and I must also then, the next slide talks to the, to the attendance of the AG recommendations and other investigation reports. Uh, Minister has already um, spoken to the investigation reports um, and the recommendations of the AG um, are being fully dealt with, with the, by the entity I'm concerned. Um, let me talk to the last slide um, in terms of the funding model. Um, Honorable Chairperson, um, we know that the HDA does not get any capital funding from the fiscus. So it means they need to also um, um, look at other alternatives in terms of how do they, do they fund their, their, their mandate. Um, it is still an early conversation um, uh, with the department and the national treasury in trying to find out, uh, in, in, in trying to respond to the funding model um, um, and, the, and, and the framework um, that will include um, PPP and also um, how does um, HDA um, can get funding from the fiscus. But again, here um, we start from the rebranding um, uh, of the HDA and the performance of the HDA so that um, um, the, the, the performance um, um, speaks for itself. Um, um, thank you. Um, next slide. Next slide, um, Honorable Chair, this is now in, in relation to the Property Practitioners um, Regulatory Authority. This is a new entity which is, uh, which is replacing the Estate Agency Affairs Board um, that, had been, um, <clears throat> that have been around for more than 40 years. Um, I will highlight the last bullet there, which talks to the proclamation and commencement of the PPRA Act and the regulations um, that were published in the Government Gazette with the commencement of the 1st of February 2022 by the state president. Um, this is the process that we had to undertake. The next slide. Um, I will talk to the next slide. Can you skip this one? I will combine um, the, the both slides. Um, slide number 19, um, Honorable Chair. Um, it's talking to the, the composition of the board, which um, I've covered in the in the in the background. I want to highlight here that in terms of the of the executive, the board, um, the chief executive officer of the PPRA um, also serves as a member of the board by the virtue of holding that office. This next slide, which is slide number fourteen. 
The importance of this slide, Honorable Chair, um, also speaks to the compliance measure uh, matters. Um, as a department, we need also to make sure that uh, the minister does appoint the nomination committee, um, which will facilitate um, the appointment of the boards and, and, and make recommendations to the minister. Um, this process is also in terms of good governance, and it's also in line with the DPSA handbook on the appointment of persons um, on boards. Um, I've already spoken to the publishing of the advert. It's the same as the HDA. Um, the next slide, um, it talks to the appointment of the new board, which is led by uh, <clears throat> Mr. Ngubeni as the chairperson. Um, and, and, and Chair, I will not um, read all the members that are there, um, but also I will then highlight the representatives from the Department of Trade, Industry and Competition. Um, that is Mr. Gilbert, and also the representative from the Department of Public Works and Infrastructure, um, 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 which is DPW. Um, as we know also that HDA does a lot of work, a lot of interaction with the land. So this representative also needs to assist us in facilitating some of the processes um, in order for the HDA to, um, to, to meet it, its mandate. Um, the next slide um, is in terms of the filling of the executive positions. Minister has spoken to this one. In terms of the PPRA, um, there's one executive position which is vacant, um, which is the CFO, and this matter is being attended to, um, um, to the board. It is attended to by the board. Um, the next slide. The next slide, um, a minister has touched on the AG recommendations and the whistleblower. Let me speak to the improved um, stakeholder engagement. As this is the new entity with the expanded mandate, it's very critical that um, the entity needs to, um, to improve in the stakeholder engagement and also um, um, to, to, to take um, cognizance of all the, the, the inputs um, that will be forthcoming um, from the, 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 the key stakeholders. Um, some of these key stakeholders, actually, they are internal in terms of the sector. Um, for example, the PPRA also, um, as, as its mandates, also includes the estate, agency, estate agents. It becomes critical that there needs to be an engagement between the NHFC in terms of the FLIST program, um, um, in terms of how uh, do we get, how the target market get access to the FLIST product, what estate agents um, are they? Are they also divest as required? And that um, um, interaction engagement um, needs also to take, um, to take place between the two entities um, as this process unfolds. Also the awareness of the new act, um, this is going to be um, critical going forward. And also what we are doing in terms of the department, in terms of the, um, of the awareness, um, is that um, this entity also um, does um, attend the ministerial events so that also they get to be known and also they get to see what, um, what happens on the ground in terms of the human settlements. And also in terms of the communications forum, um, Honorable Chair, um, we do have a, a communications forum for the sector and both entities also um, are part of that, um, of that structure. So that the, com the, the, com the communication is aligned. There are no um, um, misstatements between the department or in the sector. Um, and in addition to that, Honorable Chair, um, both um, 
entities also, they do, um, they get represented in our legal forum where all the legal engagements in the sector, they take place. Um, we have just um, enhanced the representatives in the legal forum to include the company secretaries um, based on the role that they play in those entities. The last bullet, um, um, Honorable Chair, focuses on the economic transformation and the support for the sector um, that we need um, to, uh, to, to, um, to undertake. Um, it is also um, important for us to highlight that um, when the PP, PPA um, was drafted, there's a, a whole chapter which, um, um, which is on transformation, chapter four of the act, um, because it, has it had become evident that without economic transformation, it means the historical disadvantage will remain um, 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 in that same position. So um, in terms of the economic transformation and the support of the sector, the department also um, supports the, the, the entity in, in terms of information and how to implement the transformation. This also includes the support to the designated groups um, that um, both the entity plan and, and APP they do have for the targets um, that talk to the contracts that will be awarded to the women-owned entities, which is 40%. And then the contracts that will be, um, in terms of the budget, will be uh, awarded to the youth-owned um, entities, um, which is um, 10%, between 10% and 30%. And also um, those um, entities that are owned by, by persons living with disability, um, um, which is 5%. And I must also indicate here, Honorable Chairperson, that this transformation also, um, it's in line with the, with the pronouncement that the president uh, made um, in terms of supporting um, these um, um, designated groups. The next slide. The next slide um, speaks to the um, induction of the new boards. Um, the minister appointed five new boards, and these two are part of the five. Um, let me also indicate that the minister met all the new board members in order to communicate her expectations, set the tone and the direction, um, and also the members of the new boards also shared their experiences and their expectations so that um, they, they are much clear on the matching orders. Um, the next bullet also talks to the induction that we are expected to facilitate as a department um, for all the boards that have been um, appointed. And all the, all the boards were um, attended um, a two-day induction course, which is presented by National School of Governance um, in December 2021. Um, this is quite critical also to elevate the work of the National School of, Govern of Government as part of government. Um, because the training that um, you get there as induct, induct, inducted induction, um, you cannot get it in the private sector. So it is also quite a specific um, um, training that they were inducted on. Um, and in addition to that, um, new opportunities also then emerged in terms of the training of the boards or even the, the staff members of the entities um, to attend the courses that are run by the, by the School of Governance. Um, I must indicate lastly here, Chairperson, that um, we have received very favorable comments on the induction uh, from the board members. The last slide, um, um, Honorable Chairperson, um, in closing, um, we are recommending that the portfolio committee notes the interventions that have been taken by the department to stabilize the Housing Development Agency and the Property Practitioners Regulatory Authority. Thank you, Chair.
thank you very much, Titi uh, Let me welcome the, the two chairpersons uh, and their CEOs. Um, we'll request them to just show their faces so that members can see them and then let, they can close uh, the, the cameras. Uh, can we start with the um, <coughs> Property Practitioners uh, Regulatory Authority Chair? Hey, Chair, this is uh, Stephen Gubini, the Chairperson of the PPRA. You can proceed. Uh, You can proceed, Chair, in terms of uh, um, what 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 is it that you you're doing in terms of the the, the issues of transformation in the or hand it over to your CEO. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Good morning to the members of Parliament who are also members of the Portfolio Committee the minister, the deputy minister, and the team from the department, our colleagues from HDA, the CEO, also of the PPRA. As I've just indicated, my name is Stephen Rubini, I chair the PPRA. We are appearing before the portfolio committee today to uh, make a presentation on the work that we do. So with me is the CEO, uh, Ms. Mamadupi Mushala, who is going to be going into the details of our presentation. And by way of uh, introduction, and perhaps to piggyback on the comments by the minister earlier on, as well as the presentation that was done by TDG just now, I will make a few uh, remarks and then uh, await the opportunity for the CEO to make the full presentation. The, the PPRA board was appointed in, in, in November last year, and upon its appointment, it was expected to immediately deal with the transitional issues, transitioning from the SYEAAB to the PPRA. Um, and that uh, has been a journey, quite a journey, and it is still uh, in continuation uh, because it talks to, not only to the, the, the name change, uh, but also the change in terms of the mandate, uh, the extent of the mandate, uh, as well as issues of change management that we have got to deal with in the organization and we are um, on it, we are busy attending to all those uh, uh, issues. <clears throat> now, whilst uh, also dealing with this transitional arrangement, uh, we were also uh, expected to deal with the corporate plans, uh, which includes the review of the strategic plan, uh, the APP for the last uh, two months of existence of the EAAP, as well as the uh, the new uh, APPs we have uh, done that successfully. However, because we appreciated the amount of time that was at our disposal, 
uh, we resolved to do the best that we can with the corporate plans and then still allocate us, ourselves further time uh, to deal in detail uh, with those plans uh, 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 once and for all. So we are uh, in that process. We have held our strategic planning session. We have identified the areas that really requires our attention for us to be uh, in motion in terms of the new mandate. Uh, so we believe that we are making quite good progress. However, because of some of the challenges that uh, the, the EAAB had first faced in the past, including amongst others, the findings uh, from the AG, uh, litigation issues that existed in the industry, uh, the question of trust uh, deficit, public trust deficit, as well as uh, the reputational damage on the brand EAAP itself, uh, as well as the perceived inefficiencies uh, in the organization and so far as the turnaround times are concerned. Uh, we then resolved to put in, in, in place some kind of a, a turnaround strategy, which is work in progress. And that turnaround strategy uh, includes, amongst others, meeting with the uh, stakeholders, understanding their issues, where they come from, uh, what causes the conflict between them and us, and what are the issues that we really don't need to be fighting over, and find some common ground. We have met uh, with uh, some of them in the industry. Uh, we have met, for example, with Reposa, and we have discussed a lot of litigation issues that they have against the board. We have come to a, a conclusion to say there is a possibility for us to even settle these matters out of court and begin to engage properly as a, a partners in, 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 in the property sector. And they they quite amenable uh, to working with us uh, in that spirit. So the issues uh, that would have existed and led to litigations, uh, according to their view and our view, are not really issues uh, of, of real conflict between us. So we are dealing uh, quite decisively with the issues uh, of litigation. And we continue to meet uh, the stakeholders in the industry uh, to make sure that there is a, a working relationship between the uh, PPRA and uh, all the, stock, the stakeholders. Uh, another thing that constitutes the turnaround strategy uh, relates to uh, reputational damage, as I have said. <coughs> And that is in the media out there. A lot of reports uh, that have gone out uh, in the media, uh, which are also not real and tangible issues uh, that we are dealing with, but it's just a, a smearing of the organization, uh, which sometimes originates even from inside the organization and from disgruntled stakeholders. And some of our actions themselves, they are not assisting uh, in the in the process. So what we are basically uh, we, we, we realize the extent of this uh, impact uh, when we we had to deal, for example, with the cover for the board members. And uh, when the insurers, they told us that actually the reputation is not quite good, so we can't even consider uh, insuring or covering uh, the board members uh, in relation to the decisions that uh, you guys take 
we we then realized that we've got quite an appeal to uh, to climb, and that's why we are paying uh, serious attention uh, on those issues. So we have put in place a strategy uh, to assist us turn around uh, the perceptions uh, in relation uh, to the uh, uh, to the organisation. Uh, there is one specific matter <coughs> uh, that was referred to the minister by the Public Service Commission. It's a complaint uh, against the, 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 the CEO, and uh, that specific matter has been uh, forwarded to us as the board. We are attending to it and following all the due processes to come to the logical conclusion. We have had an interaction uh, with the uh, CEO so far as getting an explanation on, on these issues and uh, uh, the board met ultimately and considered the responses from the CEO and we have taken uh, uh, quite uh, decisive uh, measures to, uh, to address this matter uh, once and for all. And I believe that uh, at this particular point in time, we are not at liberty uh, to fully uh, disclose what are the decisions that we have taken, uh, but we can uh, we can rest assured as uh, as uh, members of this portfolio committee that this matter is receiving uh, our uh, utmost attention and within the the confines uh, of the law. We we understand that uh, there would be excitement around this issue and that uh, uh, people will be impatient in terms of what uh, needs to be done. Uh, but that will not assist the process necessarily. So we would appeal with everybody uh, to work with us uh, so that we, we, we really unravel what is what uh, insofar as these uh, uh, issues uh, um, are concerned. Uh, we, we have taken cognizance as the board that part of the scope extension of our mandate deals with a specific focus on transformation, the transformation of the property sector in general. And uh, to that extent, the legislation also empowers us to establish a, a, a property sector transformation fund, uh, as well as have a very formidable uh, a property uh, transformation program. We will deal with that later in detail in terms of our presentation. Uh, and we will also address uh, the question of uh, uh, of, of the fund itself and where uh, the, the sources of fund uh, will, will, will basically come, come from. But we are, we are glad to indicate that as we are engaging with the stakeholders, we are getting a positive feedback and willingness to cooperate uh, with us in so far as the transformation agenda uh, that is uh, bestowed upon the PPRA is concerned. So it's a, it's a journey that we believe that we will be able to navigate uh, quite efficiently. The last issue that the legislation uh, uh, gives us uh, to attend to as a matter of a new mandate extension has got to do with the establishment of a property research center, a center that will focus on all research issues around the property sector. And our intention really uh, is to focus on uh, 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 these topical issues that will help us fast track transformation uh, of the sector itself to look into the opportunities 
uh, that will be there in the expansion towards the township economy in uh, giving access to the uh, previously disadvantaged individuals uh, to also participate meaningfully uh, in the industry. Our statistics as they stand in so far as the estate agents uh, only uh, is concerned is not quite an exciting picture. If you look at the race representation and you look at the uh, geographic and gender representation, so those are issues that we believe that our research efforts uh, should first and foremost uh, focus on. And the rest of the other issues, really, we are expanding in detail in terms of the presentation that the CEO is going to be making before yourselves here today, Chairperson. So with those few notes, allow me to step up from the podium and thank you very much for the opportunity. CEO. Thank you very much. Um, good morning, Chairperson. Good morning, Honourable Members. Good morning, Minister. Good morning, um, Deputy Minister. Good morning, DG, DDGs and other um, colleagues present. Um, could I request that the presentation please be projected? It was sent in advance um, to the department. If I could request that it be projected, then I can start speaking to the presentation. Apologies, Chair. I thought we will allow Dr. Rachitanga as well to speak before we go to the presentation by PPRA so that we deal with the issues around stabilization of the entities. Um, okay, I thought we'll, because of time, I thought we'll finish with the PPRA and then we'll go into. Dr. Rashtanga, because the discussion, we're going to take them, all of them, at the same time. Um, maybe let's, give it, let's, let's give Dr. Rashtanga as the, 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 the CEO and the, the team are flaking their presentation in the meantime. Dr. Rashtanga? Chairperson and honorable members. Good morning, Minister and Deputy Minister of Human Settlements uh, and the DG, the DDGs, and colleagues at PPRA, the chairperson, as well as the CEOs and other staff. Thank you very much for giving us uh, this opportunity to appear before the portfolio committee after uh, we had been appointed as the new board of the Housing Development Agency. As members may be aware, the Housing Development Agency is a very strategic uh, implementing agency within human settlements. It is charged with a major responsibility of uh, identifying, acquiring, uh, assembling, and packaging land parcels for the purpose of development of integrated and sustainable human settlements in our country. Um, it is an agency that supports government in its endeavor to transform the special uh, settlements in our country and deal with the distortions that have been inherited from previous uh, experiences and the legacy of the past. 
Uh, indeed, as the minister had indicated, uh, this entity, we came in as the new board in the middle of November last year and found an ailing organization that was mired in quite a number of challenges. Some of those challenges had arisen as a result of non-compliance to governance protocols because of the instability that had been taking place over the years as a result of the lack of uh, existence of a stable board. The organization was run by administrators, a few of them, as well as some interim boards. And this had created a culture of trust deficits within the organization, which is why I think we see a lot of media um, inquiries and reports uh, where some of our um, disgruntled uh, staff opt to go out of the organization to air their grievances. Um, these are some of the challenges that we came uh, to uh, confront when we were appointed, as well as um, a consecutive qualified audit from the audits uh, of previous years. Um, we obviously also dealt with the issue of high turnover of uh, senior executives in the organization. All of this would have contributed to the instability that faced uh, the new board to deal with. We received quite clear matching orders from our minister uh, from when we were appointed, um, which emphasize and complement the mandate of this board from the act that governs the Housing Development Agency. Among others, we had to deal with the stabilization of governance in the organization. And that meant that we had to uh, swiftly establish the board committees so that uh, the organization could be uh, managed through proper oversight, governance oversight by the board. Uh, we moved to swiftly to establish the Audit and Risk Committee, the Social and Ethics Committee, the Remunerations and the Corporate Support Committee, as well as uh, Land Development Management and Investment Committee. Uh, those committees were quite um, instrumental in stabilizing the organization. That way, the site is provided on the various functions of the organization. Um, we also had a very clear directive that we have to uh, urgently begin the process of recruiting for uh, the vacancies of senior executives in the form of the CEO and CFO. And we are happy to inform the Portfolio Committee that uh, as of yesterday, we have sent the board's recommendation of the successful candidates of those two senior executive positions. And it will now be um, in the hands of the minister to take forward in terms of finalization of the appointment, as it is a requirement that the minister has to provide concurrence for that appointment. Insofar as the um, uh, qualified audits and audit findings are concerned, uh, the board has also been giving oversight on the implementation of the audit findings uh, action plan. Out of the 28 audit findings that um, we would have found, uh, so far 17 of them have been dealt with. And we are now uh, observing very closely the, 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 the implementation of all the findings so that when we begin the process of the uh, coming audit, we make sure that at least we aim at uh, receiving an unqualified audit. Some of those audit findings would have led to um, investigations, both internal in the organization and externally. 
there are investigations that have been uh, dealt with by the SIU and those are in the courts. I believe that uh, in some of the matters in the next coming months, uh, the court will be um, hearing the matters because they will have been flagged by the findings that came out of those audits. And this is the matters that uh, the minister was saying that at the right time when the processes are completed, they will also be shared with the, the outcomes will be shared with the portfolio committee. Um, there are internal investigations that would also have been undertaken as a result of some of the wrongdoing or lack of uh, following of pro proper procedures and protocols, as well as in the procurement space. And uh, I can uh, assure portfolio uh, committee members that we take uh, those uh, concerns very seriously and um, our reports are uh, satisfactory that the organization is dealing with them. If some of the uh, uh, staff members that had been implicated uh, have had to, 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 to leave the organization because of the investigations and disciplinary uh, processes that have taken place. Um, there are also grievances that we deal with from time to time. We're in conversation with the union and, and uh, processing all the grievances that they may have. All of this is, is, is in an endeavor to stabilize the culture of the organization to believe in the internal procedures and uh, protocols so that um, we can end the, the, the culture of running to the public domain in order to address problems. The organization had also been in an all-round uh, low in terms of performance. Um, when we came in as the new board and the minister was quite worried about the uh, level of uh, low performance and um, we instituted a performance turnaround uh, strategy and plan as well as a performance turnaround operation center that is uh, in place looking at projects that uh, were having challenges of performance uh, being supervised by one of our subcommittees of the board. Um, the minister would have indicated as well that as a result of all this instability, uh, the organization suffered a serious blow to its reputation and image. And uh, we were directed by the minister to um, rectify that. As a result of which we have been undertaking road shows uh, in provinces to meet with our various stakeholders and clients but also to appraise ourselves as the board of the projects that are taking place on the ground so that we do not only rely on the reports that we receive from our executives, but we have first-hand experience of what is happening on the ground. This is an ongoing process of continuous interactions with all the critical stakeholders that are affected by our work. Um, there is also a process of reviewing the structure of the organization. This is a process that was already under the result of the observation that the old structure that was in place was uh, instituted when the organization was formed uh, in 2009, but the organization has grown in leaps and bounds, and therefore uh, it needs to be recalibrated so that it, it becomes fit for purpose it has the correct skills and competencies in place and the number of uh, staff, uh, human capital, to support its work. So we are in the process of reviewing that uh, organizational structure which we are consulting with our minister about after we have uh, within the organization. 
We believe that part of this process will also be a very critical change management process that should uh, result in turning around the organizational culture and improving um, dependence and trust uh, in the organization by all our staff members. Um, we have also had to deal with transformation uh, because we are part of an industry that itself has challenges of transformation, um, especially insofar as the empowerment of designated groups, uh, women empowerment, youth empowerment, the empowerment of persons living with disabilities is quite central in our oversight of how the HDA conducts its work. And uh, we, we, we have put targets in place to make sure that in the uh, procurement and implementation of our work, we focus on the empowerment of these various um, vulnerable groups that have been discriminated against in the past. Uh, but the transformation doesn't end the Honorable Chairperson. We also have a very serious contribution to a vast uh, construction industry, which itself is not um, very uh, well transformed. So part of our work is interaction with the industry to ensure that um, uh, they contribute towards enterprise development and boost uh, the involvement of previously disadvantaged people uh, in the industry utilizing our work. Uh, transformation in our space also deals with the type of innovations that we use for the implementation of uh, human uh, settlement development. So we are very uh, keen on uh, investigating alternative uh, building technologies uh, that can result in um, uh, savings in the fiscus of, in, in regard to the amount of um, uh, uh, money that is spent. Some of the technologies we believe that uh, it will create savings, but it will also uh, bring about different quality of the products that we produce as an, organ as an organization in human settlement. Uh, the HDA, the DDG Nongo would have uh, indicated, has been um, relying so much currently on work that is sourced from provinces and metros, uh, whereby we assist them with the implementation of their human settlements programs, and we generate a fee out of that. This is unsustainable. And so we are very much aggressively uh, 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 implementing a transition towards the primary mandate of our developer status as a developer of choice. Uh, we are in conversation with the minister who's been very supportive on um, uh, alternative ways of capitalizing the HDA so that it can uh, become a financially self-sustainable entity that can indeed fulfill its mandate of integrated and sustainable human settlements. Fortunately, we have been uh, made the custodian of uh, ownership or possession of land that belongs to the state. We are continuously being uh, given land that is in the uh, uh, ownership of public works as well as other state uh, organs, and, uh, which we then package for human settlement purposes. And this we are doing so that this can become our own portfolio of uh, human settlement development uh, that will ensure that the organization has a lasting stay into the future. Uh, but this also allows us to target um, land parcels that are located in environments that we believe are still affected by spatial distortions so that we can play our role of contribution, contributing to the transformation 
of uh, our special settlements in the country. So some of the projects that we have are deliberately uh, located in environments where we still have exclusive dynamics and we want to uh, bring about inclusive living in those spaces. Lastly, let me say, uh, Honorable Chairperson, that we work in a human settlement portfolio with other sister agencies. We have seen the need to collaborate with them and have begun a process of engaging uh, with all of them so that uh, we can benefit from leveraging from our different vantage points. We, we have been meeting with uh, all our agencies, starting with SHRA, and we will be going on to engage with all our uh, other sister agencies, NHFC, NHBRC, and the PPRA. And um, we will soon create a, a forum of all of these agencies so that we can together continuously strategize on how we can impact positively this environment of human settlement. Uh, thank you very much, Chairperson. Those are just my uh, remarks uh, uh, in addition to the presentations that have been made. And uh, we appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Rashdanga. Uh, CEO, Mema um, Mutupi. Thank you very much. Good morning, Chairperson. As I already said, good morning, Honorable Members. Good morning, Honorable Minister, Honorable Deputy Minister, Honorable DG, DDGs, um, our colleagues um, from HDA, Chairperson of HDA, Chairperson of uh, PPRA, CEO of HDA, and good morning to all other um, colleagues that are in attendance. Can I please request that um, the presentation be projected so I can, can then speak to the presentation? If we can maybe be given presentation rights, we can then project it from our side. Um, if there's a difficulty with uh, finding the presentation. Hello, Chair. I've given the rights to Mamutupi and also Refue. Thank you. Hello. Sorry, Chair, there was just a bit of a network cut. Um, we, are, we, are, we, are we are projecting in two minutes, Chair.
Chairperson, it's loading. Well, it's almost there. Um, we're just loading it. It's just taking a minute. Hello, Chairperson. Okay, now. There is no, there is no presentation here. Is a. Kolisa, can you help? There's a hand, Chairperson. Paul wants to say something. Ooh. There we go, Chair. It's reflecting now. Okay. May I proceed? Okay. Thank you very much, um, Chairperson. And, and, and thank you to um, all the honorable members, the minister, the deputy minister, the DG, the DDGs, the colleagues from HDA and the chairperson of the PPRA board and the chairperson of um, HDA. Chairperson, we're pleased to be presenting to the committee our initiatives in, in terms of um, the transformation agenda that we are going to be putting in place for the Property Practitioners Regulatory Authority. First and foremost, it's, it's important to indicate that the Property Practitioners Regulatory Authority falls under the Department of Human Settlements, and it is an institution that is set up in terms of the Property Practitioners, Regulation, uh, Property Practitioners Act, number 22 of 2019, and that um, the, 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 the act was given an effective date of the 1st of February 2022, and we, have we are a new institution that's brand new out of the box, and we have been in place now for a month and a half. In terms of the, 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 the presentation that I will be speaking to today, I will obviously be concentrating on the transformation, transformation agenda, transformation programs, and specifically what are the pillars and um, what is the basis and mandate that we have in order to deal with issues of transformation. In terms of the Property Practitioners Act under Chapter 4, it is very specific um, that we need to transform, and the Act has dedicated an entire chapter to transformation and has put in place all the transformation programs and agendas that need to be put in place in order to facilitate transformation. I will obviously be speaking to all the programs that we have in place that speak to the requirements of the Act, but I'll also be speaking to some of the other programs that we have had to put in place in order to make sure that we have a comprehensive transformation agenda. What is our legislative mandate? The legislative mandate of, um, of the entity emanates obviously from the fact that um, the PPRA states there that we need to regulate, educate, transform, and make sure that uh, uh, um, transform in relation to the activities of property practitioners in the public interest. So that is our mandate in terms of the Act. The Act also states that um, we have an obligation to re regulate, maintain, and promote standards of conduct of property practitioners. We issue fidelity fund certificates. We put in place standards of education and training. We investigate complaints, and we manage and control um, the fidelity fund. With regard to our strategic objective from um, a transformation point of view, it's important to indicate that transformation is our, our transformation program is obviously based on um, an, an approach that aims to tackle um, the, the South Africa's triple challenges of unemployment, poverty, and inequality. And uh, we are therefore expected in, in terms of this to also make sure that the transformation, the property sector is reflective of the demographics of South Africa. And as such, our strategies aim from a transformation point of view as AIP seeks to contribute towards creating an enabling environment 
which will attract greater numbers of previously disadvantaged individuals into the property sector and the property um, profession. Um, specifically, still talking to the strategic, strategic objective from a transformation point of view, it's important to indicate that um, in terms of our transformation programs and um, the, 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 the mandate and intent, it, we are obviously here to make sure that we increase the number of youth, um, previously disadvantaged um, individuals as a whole, black women and people with disabilities and make sure that they are effective participants in the property practitioner sector. We're also here to also, we also intend on implementing um, the amnesty campaign in order to make sure that those who are out of the property sector or for some reason have impediments in entering the property sector um, are able to enter the property sector and we remove all barriers to entry. The third objective is to make sure that we protect, educate, and increase awareness among consumers in relation to how they conduct themselves in terms of property um, property transactions and what protections they have in terms of the legislation. But most importantly, we are also here to make sure that we also increase consumer awareness around opportunities that is, exist for them in the property sector, both from an educational point of view, but also from an economic empowerment point of view. We also have an obligation from a transformation point of view to make sure that we uh, we increase internal and external transformation and make sure there's compliance with uh, broad-based black economic empowerment, skills development, and also make sure that we comply with the property sector charter. We also have an obligation to put in place financial mechanisms and incentives for, sustain, for sustainable transformation initiatives. Specifically, we have an obligation to also uh, put in place the transformation fund. Um, just to speak to a few issues before I go into um, the, 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 the programs on transformation, I think it's important to once again emphasize that the PPA has put in place, has made it obligatory on the PPRA to make sure we both have both internal and external mechanisms that will make sure we drive um, transformation, both uh, from a, 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 a black economic empowerment point of view, but also from an employment equity point of view in terms of the Employment Equity Act. We're also here to ensure that we have an, inclu uh, an inclusive, uh, we ensure economic inclusivity for previously disadvantaged individuals in the property sector. We also have an obligation to make sure that we put a transformation fund in place to make sure that not only do we just talk transformation, but there is a financial muscle to support transformation and transformation um, initiatives. We also have an obligation to make sure we train um, 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 uh, uh, PDIs and make sure that we put in place trans, uh, training programs that will not only make sure that um, um, they grow within the sector, but they enter the sector and um, continue to establish themselves and grow within the sector. This will obviously ensure that there's inclusivity. We also have an obligation to establish an incubator that will help um, small and struggling property practitioners to get into the sector and also stay within the sector and also grow in, in the sector. We also have a, an obligation to establish the incubator program for principals. This is a program in terms of which um, uh, black principals who are business owners within the industry are encouraged to stay within the industry by giving them both financial and technical um, support for their growth and continued establishment um, within the industry. And a most critical pro 
um, 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 purpose in terms of transformation is obviously to make sure we remove all barriers to entry um, for previously disadvantaged individuals within the sector. And we will obviously do that through our amnesty program and making sure that we remove all barriers um, to entry to, uh, in terms of um, the transformation program. Now, how do we intend on obviously putting um, this transformation program in place? I think it's, it's quite critical that we firstly enumerate um, the transformation programs. Uh, can you go to the previous slide? We enumerate the transformation programs, then we'll go into detail in relation to which programs um, from a transformation point of view, um, uh, what each program speaks to and how it works in terms of transformation um, initiatives. The first program is in relation to internship or learnership. This is a one so learner, see, one see practitioner youth. So the, the the sixty minutes that was allocated for the the entire um, department is gone. Can you summarize within five minutes, so that yes, uh, I will check. Okay. Okay. I'll summarize on these last two slides. Okay, the first program is the One Learner, One Property Practitioner program, which is a youth program where we bring in people, uh, persons between the ages of eighteen to thirty-five, into um into the sector. We train them, we capacitate them, and we obviously make sure that they, uh, they remain in the sector and they continue to grow in the sector. The second program is the Transformation Fund. I've already spoken to the fact that there is a specific legislative provision that speaks to the establishment of a transformation fund. And we have put out guidelines as the PPRA that speak to how we will be able to capacitate the transformation fund, but also how projects will be allocated for, um, for funding in terms of the transformation fund. With regard to the amnesty program, this is a program whereby uh, people, uh, black uh, uh, PDI uh, property practitioners who've been excluded from the sector due to the fact that um, there may be some financial barriers in terms of the regulatory process. These people are given an opportunity to come back into the sector, make submissions about how they can be readmitted within the sector. We then give them a fidelity fund certificate. We give them amnesty. We give them a, an, an opportunity to come back into the sector without having to pay any of the regulatory fees. And this is a system in terms of which we allow them into the sector for a period of five years. And this period is renewable annually. So they need to submit to us on an annual basis the fact that they continue to suffer, suffer financial impediment and as such will not continue to sustain themselves in the, in the sector. Consumer awareness and campaign, we have a plan and for the February and March um, um, APP, which um, the chairperson spoke about, we actually have a complete plan that speaks to how we will be give, going to different areas, different provinces um, to make sure we increase consumer awareness, not only about the PPA, but also in relation to our transformation program. And the emphasis will obviously be um, on, 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 the, uh, on the township economy, as the chair has already indicated, but we will also be placing a lot of emphasis on rural areas because we believe that there's a lot of talent and capability in the rural areas that we can um, have access to. The fifth program is the incubation for SMMEs. Um, this one is a program in terms of which we are bringing SMMEs into the sector and we provide them with financial support and we provide them with technical support. And the intention with the SMMEs being brought in is so that once the interns have completed their training, they can then be absorbed into the SMME um, and they can then be absorbed into the SMMEs and continue to be sustained within the sector. Principalization program I've already spoken to. It's an it's an aimed at making sure we retain principles within the sector, especially black principles. We grow them within the sector. We assist them to, to access markets and we give them financial support 
support in the form of 500,000, which is 250,000, which is a loan and 250,000 is a grant so that they can continue to grow and be sustained within the sector. We also have a scorecard that we would want to put in place. The scorecard is aimed at obviously making sure that we have monitoring tools and measuring tools so that when we are obliged in terms of the act by um, uh, organs of state to give them information around the BE status or the employment equity status of of property practitioners who they want to um, trade or who they want to do business with, we have such um, information available. So the scorecard will be a measuring tool that we'll use in relation to making sure there's this continuous monitoring of BE and compliance by um, property practitioners. The last program is the educational interventions. Um, um, we are a professionalized um, 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 industry, so we obviously need to have educational interventions. And we obviously felt that from a transformation point of view, we need to obviously allow a wider group. We've got an internship program for young people. I'd want people over the age of 35 to be able to also come into the system. So we have a program that we put in place for them as well to be able to come in and be trained uh, on shortened courses so that they can come into the sector and become effective participants. And that will also apply to what we call serial interns, who are people who are registered as interns for a very long period of time and are unable to obviously acquire the qualifications. I think here I'll end on that note. Um, 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 I think that the, the rest and the detail of the presentation has been um, circulated to um, the committee members, and they can obviously have recourse to the to that part, uh, portion of the presentation. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you very much, uh, CEO. Honourable members, there is the presentation. Um, we, 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 I'm going to request that each member uh, asks the maximum of five questions for both entities um, and uh, <clears throat> within three minutes of your, your time so that we have opportunity for them to respond. If we still have time uh, until half past 12, members will just uh, give an, an, an opportunity again. Um, let, let me have uh, <clears throat> members to um, engage with the presentation. Uh, three minutes, uh, five questions per each. Um, uh, per entity, and then <clears throat> um, then we'll then get a um, department to respond. If we still have much time, then we'll come back uh, again, uh, honorable members. Um, Honourable Powell, start. Chair, thanks. I think that this practice of allowing members of parliament three minutes to engage with two entities on two subjects is outrageous. We 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 can't do this, Chair. I understand that the Z list. You are eating your Z- time, Chair, Don't interrupt me. I'm speaking. I understand that the Z list is Z-listed to to run until 12.30. But if we are not able to effectively and robustly engage in terms of our constitutional obligations, may I ask that we then reconvene a continuation of this meeting so that we are able to fully ventilate our issues? Honorable Powell, I give them that ask questions so that we get response. Other members, allow other members to do that um, if there is a need to reconvene, we'll do that. But for now, ask five questions per, per entity, and then we'll come back to, to, to if we're not done. Okay, I'm setting my, my stopwatch here, you can see. 
All right, I, I, it's going. So uh, to the PPRA, to the chairperson, um, Mr. Ngobeni, welcome. Um, we believe that you'll do good work at this entity. I understand that you've got a long road ahead of you in tackling some of the very severe challenges. Um, I'd just like to ask you, on the 10th of December, the minister instructed yourself to investigate a number of serious uh, allegations that were leveled at the entity. Um, and the, the minister gave you 10 days to report back to her office. Um, this was notwithstanding the pension fund adjudicator ruling, which made some pretty damning findings against the entity in respect of uh, pension deductions not being actioned. Uh, and a number of these allegations concern the CEO. There was also, as you would know, a previous investigation that the, that the, the, the ex-minister Sisulu had instructed the board to conduct, which this committee again has had no feedback on. Uh, Chairperson, will the CEO be placed on precautionary suspension pending the outcome of this investigation? If you are not able to answer that question now in terms of due process, can you please give us a timeline, uh, perhaps a day and time that you will be able to communicate with us on what steps will be taken so that the entity can conduct this investigation in an open uh, manner without active intimidation, etc. And then I've got so many questions that I'm on one minute, 30 seconds. I don't know how I'm going to do this. Let me just go down. I'll have to come back to my next questions. I just, CEO, I'd just like to ask you, in terms of the PDI resolution that was presented today, it's justified by an interpretation of Section 27B of the old Act. Uh, this section no longer exists given the implementation of the Replacement Act. Why does the PPRA not rather implement Regulation um, 4141 which requires no application or consideration whatsoever. Or then for those suffering financial hardship, Regulation 4114 offers a simple, better solution exempting those uh, that are suffering financial hardship or in the interest of justice from the obligation of having to uh, pay prescribed fees. And then CEO, again, in terms of uh, uh, the PPRA not currently issuing certificates between the 1st of April and the 1st of February. Um, individuals have been told that the entity is in a transitional period, but the PPA came into effect from the 1st of February 2022, um, and no transitional provisions are contained in the regulations in terms of this phasing in approach that applicants kept on being told is, is in process. Um, all of the provisions in the regulations are based on the um, expectation that the PPA will be immediately effective on its date of commencement from the 1st of February, but but FFCs, etc. aren't being uh, issued. Surely this is un unlawful. Can you, as the CEO, please tell this committee um, why the PPRA was not actually ready to implement the Act and the regulations despite ample warning on the 1st of February? And what legislative clause, can you point us to the specific legislative clause, either in the Act or in the concomitant regulations that allows for uh, uh, this phasing in approach that, that is being used to deny uh, individuals FFCs? Chair, I've got a gazillion more questions. I haven't even started with the HDA, so I'll come back for round two. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, <clears throat> Honorable Mokhutu. Uh, thank you, Chairperson. Uh, I'll forward these questions to the HDA. What are the primary reasons for the inadequate system for identifying and recording irregular 
fruitless and wasteful expenditure? And how is the AGA addressing this ongoing challenge? What are the reasons for the anti-fraud and corruption plan and the risk implementation plan not being implemented? Kindly provide more details around the non-compliance with the recruitment and selection policy, irregular appointments, non-adherence to pay scales, unreconciled payroll against budget as raised by the ARC. The ARC raised a number of concerns, including excessive powers of delegation bestowed on the CEO. Kindly expand on this matter. Uh, why was the implementation support provided in Houghton catalytic projects not reported? How is the issue of poor performing contractors being addressed? Then the next one, I'm going to direct it, it um, to the uh, to the PPRA. What? How many of the previously disadvantaged individuals have you already enabled to participate into the real estate or the property sector? Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Mohutu. Honorable Butaseki. Thank you, Chair. I think, uh, Chair, let's start as a matter of principle about stabilization. The HGA is on a process of, of stabilization. And I want to thank the minister and the chairperson and all members who are in support of making sure that the HGA becomes the HGA for the better of the country. HGA was at some point under administration, if it's still not. And then now the minister and his and her team are trying their best to can bring HGA to normality. On the property practitioners, I think we should correct that. At no stage that the department came to us and said, age and uh, property practitioner is facing challenges that need stabilization. So let's correct that for minute purposes. Yes, there are issues like member, uh, uh, member Emma, uh, she's saying, to say there are issues that were raised in particular from the media and all that, but those have never resulted to a crisis. So there's nothing that tells us that at property practitioners regulatory authority, there is a crisis. Let's start there. So that the, the committee should not be assumed to have taken a stand to say there is a crisis at uh, the property practitioners authority. At HDA as a committee, we did acknowledge and we acknowledge the intention and the willingness of the minister to can bring that institution to normality. Now on issues that are raised by member Powell, I think those issues are normal chair, from time to time for them to be raised and uh, 
for the minister or the department to respond on them and PPRA to respond on them. On whether that will justify suspension or not, I can't talk to that. I think the minister is the one that is, is, is going to take a view. But we should note that the DA and many other parties that are against transformation will always find fault. And Chairperson, on a of point of property, order, Chairperson, the property practitioners, please take note of this. Order. DA has got an agenda. On a point of order. And that agenda uh, is to rise against the African Nations. And we are not going to agree to that, to that agenda. Yes, yes, Chairperson. Uh, hold on for the point of order. Chairperson, uh, the honourable member is casting aspersions on my political party, saying that we are anti-transformation. I'd like to please uh, ask him to refrain from casting aspersions and state for the record that we are pro-transformation. Um, I ask that this matter be dealt with stop, before. Stop, honourable uh, constant you... casting of aspersions is unacceptable in this committee, Chair. Can we focus on the business at hand, please? Okay, this is what I'm saying, Chair. What uh, the P PRA is doing, Chair, they are on a drive of a transformation. And uh, we should not fall into any trap of anyone trying to block that transformation. A property sector is a very lucrative sector for investment. And as this government, we should really propel PPRA to lead that transformation. I think that's what I'm trying to say. I, I want to say, Chair. And at Thank this you stage, very much. Uh, thank at you this very stage, much. Uh, there's no stabilization that is required on the PPRA, except the minister Honor will report to us in the next Honorable meeting. Honorable yes, sir. Your, yeah, your your minute is gone. You'll come back if you have to. Let's okay, allow. Thanks, uh, thank you, Chair. Honorable Sakai. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, I think uh, the committee should appreciate the road well traveled by the minister within a short space of time. It is this committee that called for a revamp of HDA and also the, the EAB, given the issues that we experience that are not taking us to any service delivery, which should be the outcome of this government. I want to raise two questions and perhaps respond to some of the issues that are not assisting us in, in, in the committee. I, I hear in the presentation, the presenter talks about having two reps that are appointed from Department of Agriculture and Public Works what does that mean? Are they now uh, relinquish their positions and to be members in the board just for my education, uh, Chair? The, the second issue is the issue that is, 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 is raised 
um, I like the idea of making sure that you get to the grips of the matter in terms of the organizational machinery, the change management within the organization is key. You're dealing with what we want you to do. It's going to be very key. And even the board that has established the governance structures, those committees, is going to lead the entities very well. Coming to the department, uh, uh, Honorable Chair and the Minister, the department uh, should not agree that we always have problems with entities. This is an extension of your responsibilities. And therefore, make sure that your oversight is daily. I, I just raise daily, randomly, so that you are able to achieve the objectives of the department through the entities. I'm just raising this because this issue of HDA, which are entities having their own way of doing things, and the AB is a problem. It should not have happened. Now, the department should make sure that is on top of things. The issues raised by power, that consequence management, you're teaching the converted. The, 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 the minister is an ANC member who understand, who understand that when wrong things have happened, somebody must account and somebody must be taken to be charged. The state capture did not come. It came because of the moral obligation of the ANC. And no other person did that. The past government has never been transparent on the atrocities that it has done to us. You can't teach this minister, you can't teach this department that there should be consequence management. Investigation, very clear, will end up to consequence management for those that have made uh, wrong things. But again, it's important that we, we give order to the department. We are members of parliament, honorable as we are called. So we can't go out of these committee meetings and shout on what the department is doing, what it's doing wrong, and there are media issues from us. It's wrong. It cannot be done that way. Ours is to ensure that we deliver best, we focus on the mandate, on what the committee has sent us to do. So whoever is doing that, whoever is doing that is not honorable. It's not honorable. The last one, Chair, is the issue of the, where is this now? I like the idea that the chairperson of the board and the CEO is raising an issue of ensuring that we build relations. Remember, you're dealing with people here. People have got their own interests within the bigger mandate. And therefore, in whatever is going to happen, respect that, but you put them into order for them to make sure that they achieve the objectives of the committee. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Minister. I like the idea that you've raised that at a particular time, we will come and present to the committee 
when the investigations are ready, you can't present us a raw thing that is not well done and well finalized. I like that idea because we do have an interest of what have you found. On a point of order. Um, point of order, honorable member. Are we all subject to the three-minute rule? Because my time is going and time's ticking. No, no, but there's got some second to, to finalize. Allow her to finalize. My watch says there's got some second to finalize. Honorable Strike, finalize. For, for, for that, Chair, I was just saying to the minister, please proceed and uh, please come back to us when you believe that you have done your work as an ANC member who has got a responsibility, a moral obligation. Thank you, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Sufai. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, Chair. Thank you. Um, I don't see any other hands. Um, just for, from me, uh, welcoming the presentation and welcome the two uh, chairpersons um, and, and um, acknowledge um, the work that we have done for the short space of time. And uh, we want to uh, acknowledge your efforts. Um, one, my question is on the department. Um, any reason for you to, I can see when you're presenting, you're indicating that you have advertised on City Press and Sunday Times and Government Gazette. Any reason choosing the mainstream, those uh, two mainstream media which have been um, every now and then you see them are the only one that have been utilized by government. Any reason for that? Uh, why other uh, imaging are, are not being utilized for, for advert? Um, <clears throat> to the second question is that. Uh, uh, the when the part when the the act the property practitioners regulatory uh, authority act was passed um the 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 supposed to be a budget attached to but uh, listening to the <clears throat> to the presentation seemingly the there is no budget or um can we just get clarity in terms of where are we going to get money for funding this uh, transformation? Because it's it's important for for states to to fund that uh, uh, process. The second issue, looking at the <clears throat> presentation, the sweetness of 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 your your work uh, in in Gauteng, you can see the numbers are high, and the other provinces, um, the followed by uh, Cape Town, of course, other provinces uh, that are uh, of need, the need to be empowered too, because the transformation agenda is to get everybody in the country to uh, <clears throat> to participate and, and given chance uh, to participate in program of government. And, and, and you see other provinces, there is a, the graph is very bad. And, and what, what is it? that you're going to do to make sure that you, you turn around the situation. Uh, the last thing <clears throat> is that I've heard that uh, though you have not gone into the details in terms of audit uh, findings, um, HDA uh, chair, 
we want to appreciate that already one of your mandate you focus on on addressing the issues that have raised by Auditor General, including uh, you, you indicate that out of 28 findings, 17 uh, you have dealt with. <clears throat> Just to maybe brief us in terms of um, uh, in terms of consequence management, how far are you uh, and and um, um, the the result there was an issue of uh, uh, temporary accommodation which landed in SIU investigation. Are you are you engaging the the SIU to finalize the process as soon as possible? And there was a report from the uh, NHPRC that was commissioned by the department, which actually outlined. Uh, how the compliance was ignored and how then do you handle those issues? Thank you very much. Uh, let's get the department to respond. You have um, 30 minutes to respond and so that we allow other members to come back to to the issues. Chair, I, I know that the, the minister might not be here, but in the meantime, maybe minister might join us was just showing my face so that you see that it's me speaking. Chair, I do want to start with the comment made by uh, Honorable Teki and Honorable uh, Sifwaye. I want to start by saying these two entities have come a long way over last few months, on top of the list to bring stability and improve efficiency to both entities. The department focused on putting in place board to deal with challenges of governance and filling vacant executive positions to direct organization strategy. Uh, Chair, I do want to appreciate work done by the, the minister. The minister found me here in this department and there was no stability when we started. And the turnaround strategy that the minister has made is commendable. And I do want to say, um, Honorable Teki, that I, I, I agree with you in terms of transformation. We've been watching this transformation not happening. And now that we are actually trying to do our best to make sure that transformation is done, you find people that do not see it, that are making a lot of noises and having uh, uh, red pens to always mark red instead of saying you are doing well, but here improve there and there. I thought the portfolio committee is not necessarily a platform to criticize. It's a platform to advise sometimes. Because at the end of the day, we, are, we have intentions, all of us, to make sure that we improve this department. I've taken note of what you've raised, um, um, Honorable Swai, that you must always monitor the department. That's what we're trying. We're trying our best to make sure that all the time we monitor the department. And I do want to not waste time and, and go straight to a DDG, DDG Ngongo to answer some of the questions and also give uh, the two chairs and also at the end the, the, the CEOs to see Mamudupi to talk on these issues. Then I will then give the, the, the DG at the end. 
Thank you very much. Uh, DDG Ngongo. Um, thank you, DM, um, Honorable Chairperson. Um, the first question that I'll respond to is uh, from Honorable Sushwai in terms of the representatives um, from other departments. Um, uh, the, 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 these representatives um, have been elevated or covered in the, in the enabling legislation based on the nature of their portfolio. Um, we will also know that in terms of the land that may be acquired for human settlements um, development um, in line with the section 6.1 of the legislation of the HDA Act, it does refer to the land that will be acquired, um, which might be invested in the state or any organ of state. Um, so this means then that um, the portfolio, which also involves land, which is in the hands of any national department, that national department becomes critical um, in the delivery of human settlements. And, and also um, um, legislation does enable the HDA um, to start having those conversations through the department um, in terms of that land. Um, the, the representatives from other departments, and um, they are there to fast track our mandate to assist us with what is already on their hands, but they do not resign from their departments. They remain the officials of those represent of those and um, respective departments, but they attend uh, our board meetings and also offer support and bring um, um, and, 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 and bring their constituencies, if I may call it that way, um, into the delivery of human settlements. Um, the question, okay, the comment, this is a comment um, from Honorable Sushwai in terms of our daily um, oversight um, in the entities. We take it positively, um, um, that comment that we need to strengthen our oversight in, in order to, to, to deal with any imaging and problems um, at the entities. Uh, the question from the Honorable Chatterson um, in terms of the City Press and the Sunday Times. The legislations, enabling legislations, um, require us to advertise um, in any national newspapers, two national newspapers. So the City Press and the Sunday Times, um, we are using it in terms of the reach um, that it will provide us and also uh, the target market that um, we are advertising, we are looking for. Um, they do um, 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 read the City Press and the Sunday Times. So we use them also for that reason that we are able to get access to the target market um, for the boards um, that we are about to appoint. Um, the second question in terms of the budget of the PPRA. Um, let me indicate, Chairperson, that the EAAB um, has not been receiving the, the budget from the first task. They have been self-sufficient. Um, but also let me indicate and refer um, um, the chapter, the chapter six of the PPA, which is section 32, um, which covers the funding of the authority. Um, and this section, um, we deliberately also um, included the funding of the authority that should come, uh, should be appropriated by parliament. Um, we included this section um, 
um, on the basis that the, the PPA now has got a huge mandate um, to deal with. Um, in cases where um, the, the funding, the budget that they have, uh, that they generate is not sufficient, this new entity must be able to be assisted uh, by their appropriation from parliament. So that process then will take effect. That's a reason why initially um, there is no budget that was um, apportioned or approved um, um, for the PPA um, from the EAAB. Thank you very much, Chairperson. By Chair Ngoben, anything and then you, followed by Chair Rashidanga. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Uh, and uh, let me thank the members of the Portfolio Committee for welcoming us and engaging with our presentation. The question that I was asked uh, to respond to directly was whether the CEO will be placed on precautionary uh, suspension. And I'm glad that the member also allowed me some space to indicate if I cannot respond to that question here and now. And I'm afraid that is the case. Uh, I, I want to uh, repeat uh, my earlier request and ask uh, the members of the portfolio committee to give us some latitude uh, and space to, to do our work uh, in a, a manner that is not biased, in a manner that is not prejudicial, and however, in a manner that is open and transparent. Uh, we do make that undertaking that whatever processes we are following, uh, they will be uh, very transparent and you will know in due course what are the decisions that the board uh, has taken on this specific issue and what are the reasons uh, because we are quite uh, awake to the reality that we are dealing with a very sensitive issue and in doing so, we are charged with the fiduciary responsibilities, amongst others, to be judicious in a, a, a taking our decisions. So um, a bit of space and, and time will allow us to, to do things correctly in a manner that is accountable, in a manner that is transparent uh, to the public. We are not responding to any uh, excitement, as I said earlier on, we are not uh, responsive to any impatience uh, uh, that is out there, but we are doing what we have to do, and we will be able to uh, to put it out there, what is it that we are doing uh, based on the facts uh, that are uh, before us. I think that was the, the main question that we were asked, and we'll attached to that question, I think we as to highlight the, the time frames. Indeed, the minister on the 10th of December wrote us a letter to uh, deal with this issue and to report to her. And uh, we reported to the minister just before we went on holiday 
our response to the minister was to give her the timelines of how we are going to attend uh, to the issue. And uh, the minister acknowledged and approved uh, the uh, undergoing in order for us to resolve the issue uh, at hand. Uh, we are at the stage where we have already written to the CEO and accorded her even at this very stage a fair and a just opportunity for her to uh, explain and respond to the allegations that are raised against her. The CEO has cooperated with us and uh, has given us the responses. We have, as the board, assessed uh, those responses and we are at a stage where uh, we have taken a particular decision which we are still uh, processing and the due process uh, that has to be followed is still being put uh, on. So we want to be given that opportunity for us to uh, finalize our approach on these issues. And I want to emphasize that whatever decisions we have taken, we are taking, there is rationality to it. We should be able to appear anyway and account why we are taking such decisions. So we're just appealing for patients and we will be able to resolve whatever issues that are there facing us at this particular point in time. Thank you very much. And I think the other questions the CEO will be able to assist me with uh, because they were specifically directed to the presentation that she has made. But sorry, just before I, I get off the podium, one, one more issue that I wanted to indicate is the fact that uh, at the moment the PPRA focuses on the real estate agency as part of the property sector. However, the new legislation implores us to actually look into a wider scope, uh, not to only focus on the estate agencies, but we want to look into conveyances, uh, in essence, or in summary, the people that are involved in the value chain of the, the sale and the buying uh, of the properties, including uh, developers that uh, may be engaged in selling or letting of uh, uh, properties. So because of that widened scope, the numbers that you see uh, are likely to, uh, to change, albeit slightly. Our transformation intervention or agenda targets specifically the participation of women, of persons living with disabilities, uh, of the youth. It also targets the special uh, the nature of our uh, of our work, and as I indicated earlier on, uh, we want to look into the new markets that are being introduced. You know that uh, 20 years ago, uh, you would not buy a house in Soweto in a market, but today you do get a house in Soweto in a market, and it's sold by estate agents. That means there is a new market. Uh, that is uh, emerging in the country, and that is the township economy. And we want to make sure that in this, 
the, the demographics are properly represented, the gender issues are properly attended to, the, 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 the issues of the young people and their interests are attended to, persons living with disabilities, they are being attended to. So we anticipate that the states or the targets that you have seen that were raised by one member as a concern to say they are concentrated in Johannesburg and they are concentrated in Cape Town and concentrated in Debbie. We hope uh, that with this new market, uh, there will be a, a, a different uh, geographical spread uh, in terms of statistics that we have. We mustn't forget that um, real estate agents, uh, as, it, as it were, because we are currently only dealing with them, they are more demand driven. So you don't have real estate agents in areas where properties are not being sold or properties are not being bought. But you will have real estate agents in areas where there they are opportunities in buying and selling of property. And Johannesburg, Cape Town, and Deben, and the fact that the other provinces are also coming to the party in terms of new development, they currently dominate uh, the, the property sector insofar as buying and selling is concerned. And therefore, by implication, the real estate agents will be located and concentrated in those areas. So I think that's what accounts for the skewed uh, numbers that you have seen in the targets and the statistics that were presented by the CEO earlier on. Thank you very much, Chair. Chair of uh, HDA. <laughs> You're welcome to invite the much. CEO to, to, to assist you in responding. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much, Honorable Chair. I was in fact going to request that you allow me to answer a few questions and then I will defer to uh, our acting CEO on the other more operational questions. Um, uh, Honorable Mukhotu, you asked the question, what are the primary reasons for irregular and wasteful expenditure? and um, uh, anti-fraud corruption plans not being implemented. Um, I think from where I sit, it is the, absent of, the absence of oversight. Um, when there is a gap, you know, there is something else that fills a gap. If there is a gap of uh, lack of oversight, you will see non-compliance because the reason why boards exist is so that um, when there are rules and regulations, policies and procedures, uh, the boards are there to ensure that uh, there is uh, proper compliance with those rules. But during the spate of um, instability at HDA, when there were no proper uh, governance uh, protocols in place, uh, during the times of interim boards, the times of um, administration, as well as um, acting executives, that were themselves were not sure about their their own future. I, I, I think we believe that a culture of non-compliance crept in. This is what we have uh, moved swiftly to nip in the bud uh, because uh, we call on these reports uh, in our various board committees as well as at the main board. We call on these uh, reports to ensure that they are within the realm of the regulation. The, the rules are very clear. We have PFMA that directs how things should be done. You've got treasury regulations and instruction notes 
that are also very clear. There's hardly anywhere where you can say that there is a, an ambiguity of the rules in terms of procurement and anti-fraud. Uh, so it is our responsibility to uh, exercise that oversight role uh, just in the same manner as um, uh, the minister exercises oversight on us as the board and yourself as the portfolio committee, you exercise that oversight on us as an agency of the, of the state. Uh, because in the absence of that, we might as well become lax and, and not do things properly. Um, there was also a question about non-compliance with appointments of executives. This falls within the realm of the work that we're doing in ensuring that there is implementation of um, corrective measures, remedial measures on audit findings. Uh, this matter was part of the audit findings. It falls under what I referred to as ongoing investigations in the organization. Um, there were law firms that were appointed to scrutinize this matter. And as I said, we'll come back to the portfolio committee with a comprehensive report on the outcomes of these investigations. Uh, but the executives that are responsible for this non-compliance uh, are being put through the proper processes of disciplinary uh, uh, hearings, but we wouldn't want to prejudice the outcome of that uh, by casting them as having been in the wrong when they are still to, to defend themselves before the proper channels. Uh, but I can assure committee members that uh, these processes are underway. With regard to the um, uh, sentiment around the excessive powers of the CEO, um, we are, as I said, in the process of reviewing the organizational structure. We are going to uh, entertain this, as, uh, uh, this point that you have raised to check uh, in our processes whether indeed uh, we think that there is a over excessive powers of the CEO, as you have said. Um, we do not want to undermine that observation, but I can assure you that the organizational structure review process is a very professional process that is being undertaken with professionals that are assisting us to ensure that um, it meets the kind of work that the HDA stands to, 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 to undertake. Um, uh, Honorable Chairperson Sminya, uh, whether there are consequence management with regard to the findings, the answer is similar to what I said earlier on, that indeed there is a process at the moment where we are taking, um, uh, we, we are undertaking uh, investigations and following on the prescripts of uh, the, the, the findings as to what must be done. And uh, we can assure you that we will bring you a report in the, in the next coming months that will demonstrate that consequence management has taken place. Uh, I will then request through you, uh, Honorable Chairperson, that I hand over to our acting CEO to handle the other questions. Thank you. Chairperson? Yes, you're welcome. Um, no, it's Mahmoud it's Mushala. I thought I would be given an opportunity first to respond because the chair requested that I add. Okay, come come in and then um, both of you, you have um, six minutes. Thank you, Chair. I know I'll be very, I'll be very brief. I'll firstly start with the assertions that were made by, by Member Powell. Member Powell, I'd like to state that PPRA is stable. 
We've never been put under administration. We have an unqualified audit that augurs for the fact that we've got good governance uh, systems in place, and this has been um, confirmed by the AG. Third issue, ushering in of the PPRA PPRA and the PPA. I believe that we've got all systems in place. We've got guidelines that have been put out. If you go to our website, you will see we put out guidelines for licensing, for transformation, for education and training across the business of the PPRA to show that we are ready and we've invited industry to not only comment in writing, but we've also called them to individual meetings and we've dealt with all the exemption applications. So I believe we are ready for the PPRA. We are implementing the PPRA. The issues you've raised about the media, I just would, would like to request um, Honorable Powell and other members on this committee to go back and read those articles carefully. Those articles relate each and every time to letters that have been sent by the minister to the chairpersons of the board. I, there, I see articles as well written that are in relation to letters that I've never seen, that have never come into my possession. So somewhere between um, um, the, the, the communication that would have been sent by the minister and the chairpersons of the board at, the, at a given time, those letters are then intercepted and end up in the media. So can it be clear that those, there is some issue, there's some, uh, there's some interference in relation to those kinds of communications and nothing points to any communication that has come from the office of the CEO or from um, the institution in itself. The other issue is uh, uh, that you raised was around transformation, and I think Member Tseki also raised um, this issue quite uh, quite strongly. Chairperson, I really believe that um, Member Powell, obviously, a lot of the time, each time I'm in Parliament, raises a lot of concerns around the PPRA and what was previously the EAB, and I think it's, it's crystal clear. The reason for this is simply because we have a very strong transformation agenda. And for the first time in the history of the institution, there is a CEO who is pushing transformation and making sure that transformation is realized. I mean, as soon as this afternoon, we are going to be undertaking racism workshop, a racism, a racism hearings. And we, from our investigations and the research that we've done around racism within the property sector, we found that a lot of these um, racist um, practices are actually being undertaken in the Western Cape. So you can see from that kind of reporting and the fact that we're undertaking racism workshops, I would never really be a favorite person in relation to, um, to Member Powell. Member Powell, you also raised an issue around per, uh, precautionary suspension. I believe that the chairperson has spoken to that, but I just want to- No, 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 order, 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 CEO. Um, Member Powell was raising <laughs> the issue of the uh, suspension raising to the chair, not to yourself. No, you I, I appreciate chair. Uh, chair, the only thing, okay. Honorable Powell, can I just ask, can I just, I'm going to relate to you. But, Chair, she did raise it in the context that it's it was written on a point of order. Honorable um, um, CEO of uh, Memosala, please, we, we don't have uh, much time to engage yeah. in, in, yes, in those. So, 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 can we give another CEO? Because now it's okay, two minutes. Okay, can I finish the, the points, Chair? I, st- I, I noticed that I've spoken for four minutes. I'm just going to also yes, just say a point of order. 
Okay, Honorable Powell, a point of chairperson. Uh, the comments that have been made by the CEO are, are unacceptable uh, when she is called to account before Parliament in terms of the Western Cape and uh, comments around she can see why Powell would be. I'm not even going to quote verbatim because it's a waste of my time. Can the CEO please be called to order and can she be asked to answer the questions that were put to her in terms of the specifics around the not issuing of certificates and the implementation of the PDR resolution and the PPR? RA. Uh, we, we don't have space for uh, personal aspersions to be cast, especially by officials uh, who, are, who are bound by higher higher principles than that. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, Chairperson. Let's give it to um, finalize Honorable Mshala um, um, and then we give it to the, the CEO of HDA. Yes, no, thank you, Chair. I was responding to the issues that Honorable Powell actually put on the table. And the issues around the Western Cape are factual. It is not um, a theoretic or aspersions as she's, as she's, she's alleging. It is a factual issue. Chairperson, I just want to also indicate quite briefly that I think um, I have for a very long time um, appeared before this committee and I've never raised one issue um, that I believe um, there is a serious conflict of interest in relation to Member Powell. Member Powell has not made it clear to this committee that she is in, she's engaged in litigation with myself uh, because she put a tweet on her Twitter account a, um, um, sometime last year where she made allegations that my husband had brought a gun to um, the offices of the EAB. And then I asked, her to retract. I asked her to retract. She refused. I then obviously took it to court because at the time my husband is not in possession of a gun and at the time he was my estranged husband. Okay, can I, On the can issue I of the identity Chairperson, it's Honourable Powell. Yes. I have a question for you. 
an aspersion has been cast here that I have a conflict of interest in conducting my duty as a member of parliament and sitting in but this I've committee. I've responded because you're not, listening. you're not listening yeah, to me, can Honourable. You, can you please just let me finish? Can you? And my argument is not with you, Chairperson, but I'd like it to be minuted and placed on record. I don't have a conflict of interest. If the Honourable, um, uh, or if the CEO, Ms. Mamadupi, believes that there is a conflict of interest, perhaps she should recuse herself. But I ask that her comment that I am conflicted be withdrawn and that this matter be dealt with in writing before the Chair of Chairs because I will not have uh, matters that are, are, are have got nothing to do with the business of Parliament being ventilated on parliamentary uh, portfolio committee platforms. I'm happy to have a, an open discussion about what's really going on. But Chairperson, the CEO's comments are out of order. And I ask that as the chairperson that you that, that we deal with this matter in writing and that it is resolved in writing before the chair of chairs, because I will not be told before Parliament that I have a conflict of interest in conducting my oversight duties. Thank you, Chairperson. Honorable Powell, I've indicated that this committee is guided by the rules of parliament and in terms of the rules and, and, and the constitution of the republic, Honorable Powell has not found guilty of anything, therefore has the right to participate. I've cleared that matter. I'm not sure why do you want me to... I, I would just to like it to, to be noted in writing. So, so, so I did respond, I've did responded to that. Uh, can I, I will do so. Thank you. I will do so. Thank you. Can I get um, uh, uh, HDA CEO, uh, acting CEO, to to respond to already uh, the time is up for the for 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 answering, but I'll give her, her three minutes because it was uh, eaten by uh, both the honourable member and the and the CEO of. Uh, um, PPR A. So, uh, C, acting CEO. Thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chairperson, uh, Minister, Deputy Minister, uh, Director General, um, the chairpersons of the two entities, as well as uh, my colleagues and the CEO of um, PPRA. Um, Chairperson, the the questions that were asked by uh, Honorable Mukoto were responded to by the Chairperson, but um, I just wanted to add on to that. Uh, there was one particular question that was raised about the anti-fraud and corruption uh, plan, why it was not being implemented. The, the anti-fraud and corruption plan is being implemented in the HDA. And the report uh, has been prepared. Uh, it will serve at um, the ordinary ARC. It was, it was submitted uh, to the ARC, but it has then been reserved to be uh, heard at the ordinary ARC. And uh, all the, the processes that we wanted to put in place, including the, the, the policies um, the risk management policy, the fraud policy, and the plan was approved uh, in June of 2021. And uh, the the only thing that we are doing with that uh, anti-fraud and uh, uh, corruption plan is to try and beef up the section that deals with whistleblowing. So that will be taken to the Social and Ethics Committee, which will be sitting 
on the 4th of, of, of April. The training and awareness uh, on the fraud awareness that needed to be done has been done. The, the anti-corruption uh, information posters and um, uh, all the awareness campaigns in the newsletter and um, making sure that uh, this information is, is uh, made uh, available to staff that has been done. What we are still dealing with, Chaperson, uh, which may be um, still outstanding, uh, on the 28th of February, it was the closing date for us to receive uh, the disclosures of financial interest from staff. We have received um, the, those uh, financial disclosures from staff, but I think we still have a few that are outstanding. And the, the, the head of uh, 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 corporate services is following up on that. We do have uh, disciplinary processes that we are following. We do have um, um, whistleblowing and we do have um, the, 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 the fraud, the, I mean, the forensic investigations, the two that we have is that on Dalana and uh, Duncan Village that is done by the SIU. And I know that um, this is also a question that was asked by Honorable Siswai, uh, wanting to know about um, the Dalana matter. The matter um, was heard in court on the 22nd of March and it has been uh, postponed to some time in February. I think it's the 16th and uh, the three staff, I mean, the 19th of April, sorry. And the three staff members that um, are still uh, appearing in court will, will continue to appear. About seven uh, staff members of the HTA have also been subpoenaed to come and give evidence in that uh, matter of uh, Dalana. So uh, we will be able to report after the 19th as to how the case um, has been finalized by the SIU. On the Duncan village, we have received the preliminary report and the SIU has promised that they will give us a final report by the end of March. Uh, on the Mamelodi temporary residential units, uh, uh, we have we have done the investigation internally and we have received the report which the board uh, is, is, is dealing with. And all the other investigations of um, the executives, the Jefferson has talked about them, the issue of adhering to pay scales and um, the delegations of authority is a document that the board will be uh, reviewing once uh, the CEO has been has been appointed. And um, the issue of poor performance of contractors that was raised also by Honorable Mokoto uh, is that uh, we deal with contractors all the time and we put them on terms uh, if they are not performing. And we have canceled uh, some contracts of contractors that were not performing. Of course, they won't be happy and they will take us to court and we are dealing with those matters. And then the last uh, portion that I want to talk about is that of uh, consequence management, especially in as far as uh, the audit outcomes and um, the 
the uh, irregular expenditure uh, is, 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 is concerned. We do have a committee that is dealing with that and uh, the matter is in hand. Person, I, I hope I have covered all, all the questions, but if I haven't, uh, members uh, will be able to, to, to let me know. Thank you. Um, okay, thank you very much. Um, can I then uh, get members to engage just 10 to 12, the same rule, the same minutes, um, so that uh, we still have an opportunity for members to answer the questions? Uh, um. Okay, can I start Can I start, Shavasan? Shavasan? Hello, Shavasan. Uh, I'm saying uh, the, the gadget show me who, who has raised the hands first. It's Honorable Mohutu followed by Honorable Powell. And then you, you, you are the third one, Honorable Zik. Let's give it Honorable Mohotu three minutes, and then uh, um, Honorable Powell three, and then you come back three, and then uh, we then get the department to to, to respond. Uh, thank you, Chair. Honorable Mohotu. I thank you, Chairperson. The HDA did not respond to one of the questions that I asked. I'll be very happy if they can respond to. Let me remind them of the question. Why was the implementation support provided in Gauteng catalytic projects not reported? And then I am going to ask again the following questions. Uh, how is the instruction from National Treasury to return 195.8 million for non-compliance with DORA likely to impact on the operations of the entity? What was the essence of the non-compliance as raised by the National Treasury? Another question, why did accruals increase so dramatically from 90,000 to 90,000 million uh, to 78,8 million? And then another question is, um, why was no appropriate action taken by the board against employees implicated in the allegations of corruption in the awarding of a tender for TRUs in Limpopo and how many employees and at which level were they implicated? When did this alleged corruption take place? How Thank far you. are Thank the court you. processes with respect Thank to the issue? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Honorable Mokoto. Honorable Power. Thanks, Chair. I'm starting my timer. More questions for the CEO of the PPRA. Um, Rebosa have brought an application which was granted with punitive costs last year, and they've launched a second application in respect of contempt of court. Uh, Rebosa have stated that this is, this is still progressing, as the PPRA have not filed the required court papers nor responded to settlement talks. Can the CEO please advise what outcome is being pursued? Um, and then I understand that there are a number of contracts 
that have been awarded for the value of under 500,000 Rand and that some of these have actually been flagged by the banks. Um, are transactions below 500,000 Rand procured with, with or without obtaining uh, other price quotations as required by Treasury regulations. Uh, also noting that we will be pairing all of these contracts. Then moving on to the HDA, um, I think a lot of a lot of the questions have been asked. I've got a lot of commentary, uh, especially around the HDA today in March of 2022, admitting that all of the irregularity is as a result of a culture of non-compliance uh, and a leadership lacuna created by the ex-minister and the ex-board, as well as a lack of executive oversight. We have been warning about this for three years now. Um, I do welcome the new board chairperson and new board and welcome the decisive action that Minister Kubayi has taken in regards to finally taking action in respect to this entity. Uh, our calls uh, as the DA and this committee have certainly fallen on deaf ears. Um, I wrote to Neville Cheney, um, and I don't know who, if it, if it should be the acting uh, uh, the acting CEO or the board, but essentially I wrote to, to Neville, who was acting as the administrator in March last year, in regards to Section 61, sorry, 65.1 of the Public Finance Management Act, which states that the executive authority responsible for any department or entity must table in the National Assembly the findings of any disciplinary board and any sanctions imposed by a board which heard such a case, meaning that the minister is required by law to inform parliament of the findings of, of any disciplinary board of any entity which heard a case in relation to financial misconduct against any accounting authority in, in terms of section 81 or 83 of the PFMA. When I wrote to Neville, he wrote back to say, we don't have anything for you. Not, not, no action has been taken. This was in March last year. Um, Deputy Minister or, or, or Chairperson of the of the HDA Board, can you please indicate when Parliament will um, will receive such a report in terms of Section 65.1 of the PFMA? Um, I've still got 20 or so seconds left, but I just want to say that that the irregular expenditure within this entity is now in excess of 147 million rand. Again, a, a qualified audit. And despite the, the recommendations of this committee, it seems that until Minister Kobayi replaced Minister Sisulu, absolutely no action was taken. And I think that this must serve as a warning to our committee that when recommendations are made, even by opposition members such as myself, to make binding recommendations before Parliament that call for ministerial action, or for decisive action, or for or action taken in terms of the the new Audit Act, that we that, that that we work in a collaborative manner as opposed to shielding and protecting these entities and the, these officials as we've done with the HDA until the point that Minister Kabayi came in and right-sized the board. Um, so I've got a lot more questions, but I'll put them in writing uh, to you, Chairperson, and if we can please get written responses from the officials, given that there is uh, probably not going to be time for a third round today. Thank you. Thank you, Honourable Powell. Um, Honourable Tseki. Chair, can I ask one thing? Sure. Member Powell seems to be having an internal information of the department. I would request, Chair, that since these letters seem to be public for public consumptions, please get these letters of the 10th and then the respond of the CEO. All these documents must be sent officially to the Chair and the Chair decides on how to distribute them to the committee because it's like we are talking to from the blind spot 
while member powell is talking from the from the you know court spot so that that will be my uh, first request and the second one is this one chair where it is said can, can, can we get people to to mute who's this one yeah it's 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 it's, it's on my side chair it's on my side I know. okay can can we also chair uh, I hear what the the chairperson of uh, the process in terms of uh, what they are doing. I think I would request the committee to be briefed exactly what is this that is being investigated in Pra, so that we are able to move forward. That would be my humble. I don't want to get into what Member Powell have raised in context because I may be out of order. But I would want to get information so that when I respond, I respond with uh, an informed uh, uh, engagement. Thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, Honorable Tseki. Um, just to, um, the Chair of PRA has indicated that uh, they, 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 are, <clears throat> they are expanding on the, the the act is given the mandate to expand on the value chain. One of the problems that has been uh, in the property sector has been the evaluation processes. So um, I would, I would uh, request the chair to um, and the entity to, to look at that. And at some point we, we, we come and, 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 and engage in terms of these uh, um, transformation around uh, evaluation of properties because our people they are losing a um, <clears throat> lot of lot of money because of this value add, uh, and and then maybe if we can then be even educated how how do they evaluate uh, properties uh, uh, because it seemingly the, the, there is even challenges with regard to that the the second one is on the um, um, HDA to say that uh, the the chair talks about we we note we know or we noted before the that this entity is not being funded and 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 this affected the. The, the audit outcome for particularly on on contract management where the provinces will wait for the um, non when when they are at the red um situation uh, then they will then take end up taking those projects which compromises the audit outcome in terms of project management and 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 we welcome that this uh, recapitalization uh, that you 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 are going to focus on maybe just to brief us what what would entail that uh, so that uh, we know that uh, as we are going to engage in the coming uh, as we are going to deal with strategic plan we'll then know what is it that uh, you, 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 you are doing? The, the last thing is the, the, the issue of uh, transformation of spatial plan, planning. 
uh, you know, provinces, they continue to build uh, RDP houses in the outskirts of the areas. And, and, and we welcome the collaboration that you, you are undertaking. And, and we want to know whether you, are you engaging provinces at some point, uh, you, you would come back to give us the, the <clears throat> what, what is it that you, you, the HDA is doing to make sure that indeed there is the transformation of spatial planning in, in the provinces. You don't perpetuate this uh, apartheid uh, spatial uh, planning that we, we found in the system. Uh, can we get the team to respond? Um, DM, we're in your hands and DG. Uh, just to save time, um, uh, Chair, let, let me come at the end because these uh, questions are directed to, to them. And then I counted the DG to also come in and maybe we made a mistake of not calling the DG. But I will start with uh, DG. You didn't have the time. Now we're giving you uh, 25 minutes um, so that you can share the 25 minutes all, all the time. If, if, if you, you are at the end, the 25 minutes will reach that point. You are not going okay. to speak to... So okay. today I'm very strict on my time. Okay. Whoever <laughs> okay. must start. Did you will you start? Um, thank you, DM and Chairperson. Um, I don't have um, any comment for now. Uh, maybe we can um, give the DG um, uh, um, to proceed. Thank you. Chair, there was there was no specific question that um, was directed to to the department, but perhaps uh, maybe one can use this opportunity to to echo the point that was made by the chair of uh, HDA about the financing model. Chairperson, the SDA has been very much involved in the implementation of its second mandate, where they're acting as an implementing agent for provinces, in some cases for municipalities. Um, where we would want the entity to focus on in the long run is on its primary mandate, which is land assemble for human settlements development. We know that part of the problem is the fact that the NDT was never capitalized, but there were always two ways of capitalizing the NDT. We knew that they will either be capitalized through um, the fiscus or we use some of the assets that we own as a state to capitalize the, the entity. In other words, if there is property that is in the hands of HDA, that property can be used to beef up HDA's um, uh, balance sheet. Because in the long run, our intention is to make sure that HDA does not rely on the fiscus, 
to run its operations. And that's the part that the chair of the NDT is focusing on. And perhaps at some point, um, we may have to spend a little bit of time discussing that part. Because I think there are, in a way, some, if you like, moral hazards in the execution of that secondary mandate because we transfer the money to provinces, then in turn provinces transfer the money to HDA for HDA to act as an implementing agent. HDA doesn't have full control of that budget because it's not their budget. And where we would want this entity to be in the long run is in the management of its own budget. They can get into partnerships with various property developers. There are a lot of them in this country. They can get into partnership with a number of property funders. We have a lot of them in this country. And that's exactly where we wanted this entity to be in the long run. Uh, so that the secondary mandate remains a secondary mandate. But currently, the primary mandate is in the back seat, and the secondary mandate is being operationalized as if it's a primary mandate. And that's the part that we would want to, you know, to pay attention to. I guess that there's, if you can see, there's clarity of purpose in terms of where the organization is going. You listen to the chair of the entities, and I think they're very clear about what they want to do, both PPRE and, and, and HDA. And so far as PPRE is concerned, we've met with the technical team and we've asked them to operationalize the cost of implementing um, you know, the act, as you, I'm sure you heard the chair earlier talking about the expanded mandate the implementation of that expanded mandate is going to require funding um, because it's not something that uh, they have budgeted for at this stage. Uh, and some of the clauses in the act have to be faced because they would require financing. And we've asked them to move with speed and prepare a submission to us so that we can arrange a meeting with our colleagues at Treasury to assist us to finance some of those unfunded aspects of the of the mandate of the PPRE. Uh, Chairperson, the specifics about you know some of the questions that were raised by honourable members, I will leave them to um, the CEOs of the entities to deal with the specifics. But I just wanted to touch on the two parts. One, the financing of the primary mandate of HDA. Two, the financing of the expanded mandate of PPRE. And that's something that we've discussed in the CEO's forum as well. And, uh, and that's something that we would want to prioritize with National Treasury. Um, and the MTEC process starts in June. So if we're targeting to get budgeting uh, for the next financial year, not the one that is starting in April, because the one that is starting in April has been concluded already. 
But if we're targeting to get funding either during the budget adjustment in October or in the next financial year, we will have to start the process. <clears throat> One of submitting to National Treasury what we want HDA to be, or now we want HDA to be capitalized. But I also think that there's some creativity, you know, that is required on our side because some of the land parcels that uh, we're going to be receiving from public works, those land parcels can be used uh, to strengthen the balance sheet of HDA, depending on how we package our development concepts or our development proposal. Uh, so we don't have to wait for the fiscals to beef up the HDA um, balance sheet. Uh, but for, for PPRE, I would urge the chair and uh, and the CEO of the entity to start costing the implementation of the new expanded mandate, how much it's going to cost them to implement this expanded mandate so that we can apply our mind before we go to a meeting with National Treasury. Thank you very much, Jefferson. Those are the only two comments that I wanted to make. Can we then allow the chair and the CEO of HDA to respond to some of the questions? Thank you very much, uh, Deputy Minister Metrete. I will start and then I will ask uh, the acting CEO to deal with uh, all the questions that were raised by uh, Honorable Mukhotu that are uh, quite operational in character. Um, in, I want to expand comments by the DG, uh, DG Changan, to say, indeed, one of the things that affect how we will succeed with uh, transitioning towards the primary mandate as the HDA to ensure that we are financially self-sustainable into the long run is to create the necessary capacity within the organization um, that will implement this developer mandate. Uh, this has implication for what we've been reporting as the process of the review of the organizational structure because one of the observations that we made is as, as desirable as we are uh, to transition into this mandate, do we have the right skills in place? Um, we need the professionals that will be able to engage with the private sector, that will be able to engage with the financial um, uh, institutions and, and, and put together packages that can allow for these kinds of partnerships. Um, and so part of the review of the structure is to ensure that we bring in the right capacity needed to catapult us to this primary mandate. Some of the institutions we have uh, flagged that we believe we have a common interest uh, that can allow for partnerships uh, are the development finance institutions such as DBSA, PIC, our very own National Housing Finance Corporation, and in the private sector, you have a lot of pension funds that have the appetite to invest in human settlement projects. Um, and, and I think this is the capacity that is required in the organization to engage because this has to be done on a day-to-day -day basis. As the board, we can give direction, but we need the institution to have the wherewithal to, to engage with the, the private sector. All of this are what is um, regarded as a, a strategic transactions that are governed by a, a concurrence with our executive authority. So we are currently in a place of packaging the business plan for the uh, developer mandate 
uh, and will soon be engaging with the minister so that she can give support uh, to, to, to such a proposal uh, because we are required by law to seek concurrence when we undertake uh, such actions that have materiality um, uh, implications. So I, I just thought that I, I, should, I should add to that. Um, we do agree with you, uh, Honorable Chairperson Semenya, that um, ourselves as the new board, we have experienced this uh, rush of bringing projects to the HDA towards the end of the financial year in the fourth quarter. Uh, what Treasury has sometimes alluded to as fiscal dumping by departments or pro by provinces. Um, and, and we realize that it is really a lack of proper planning and uh, because a number of the projects that are rushed at the last quarter of the financial year would have been in discussions between the HDA and the provinces, but not being finalized in terms of the implementation protocols, the funding agreements that have to be in place for the HDA to assist provinces. So we realize that we have to uh, be strict with um, uh, ensuring that the planning is spread out across the financial year and would not have the, 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 the likelihood of fiscal dumping, which anyway, as you have said, Honorable Chairperson, will be regarded as a, a, an audit finding on our part. Um, and, and so we, we have come across that experience because we came in at the last quarter of the financial year as this a new board. It's something that we are observing with keen interest and we would like our, our management to, to, to do better with the provinces. We know that we have the support of the minister in this during the Minimax. Uh, it is a matter that is brought up um, for provinces to um, uh, really allocate the work to the HDA in, in time for its implementation and not only wait until the fourth quarter or the last quarter of the financial year. So it is something that's really on our uh, radar. Um, in, indeed, uh, engagement with the provinces is crucial for the transformation of um, uh, spatial settlements in our country. Uh, a lot of the projects that we are undertaking on our own into the develop, de developer mandate on the basis of uh, strategic land parcels and properties that we acquire uh, is guided by uh, having to uh, ensure that they locate within the priority um, human settlement development areas, uh, which would have, according to the special development frameworks of the various districts in the provinces, would have been earmarked as the correct places for um, uh, uh, special uh, 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 transformation. So we, we have to work with the provinces and the municipalities, even if we are undertaking our own projects, because our projects have to be have to fall in line uh, the, the, the the special frameworks, so that uh, the bulk infrastructure that is required can then be supported on the basis that it is already uh, incorporated in the planning in the provinces. And so we we are mindful of that, uh, Honourable Smenya. Um, we have to imagine these new uh, inclusive living spaces together with the provinces and the municipalities. Thank you very much. I'll hand over to uh, the acting CEO to deal with those other questions. Thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, uh, Chairperson, the, the, the question that was asked by uh, Honorable Powell 
uh, about uh, Section 65 of, of the PFMA. Uh, I think the letter was written to Mr. Neville Cheney when he was the administrator in the in the in the HDA, I think um, uh, Honorable Powell could then uh, write uh, a similar kind of letter to the current board, and um, it will be responded to. Um, the issue of the irregular expenditure also raised by Honorable Powell uh, for for 2020 2021, uh, wanting to know um, when. Uh, that uh, has there been action that has been taken? Yes, uh, it is an ongoing matter. Uh, we have a team of uh, executives that are dealing with uh, the the issue of the the irregular expenditure, especially the issue of consequence management. We have established uh, the the committee that is expected to to be established, which is the condonation committee. And in areas where we need to condone or where we need to submit cases to national treasury, especially those of financial misconduct, then that committee will will assist uh, the entity in in doing that. And where. Um, staff members uh, have to be held responsible for um, the, the irregular expenditure that they have caused. That committee is assisting us as well. And uh, with the, the issue of uh, putting internal controls and prevention measures uh, in place, uh, it is an ongoing uh, thing that we do in the organization. We have uh, on-the-job training for all of our SCM staff, and uh, we review all of our tender files. Uh, we have a probity team that ensures that there is compliance and uh, we comply with all the prescripts before matters proceed to bid evaluation committees and to the bid, bid adjudication committees. And uh, the SCM policy was recently revised and it is aligned with all the National Treasury regulations. And we, we the issue of compliance is taken seriously. We even have compliance officers assisting us to ensure that all of our projects uh, are compliant with all the, the applicable legislation. And and lastly, um, the the issue of uh, ensuring that uh, we prevent recurrence of um, these uh, audit findings uh, is something that uh, we are watching very closely as well um, as the the accounting officer and as the executives in the in the in the entity. The other question that was asked by uh, Honorable uh, Machwini um, on the issue of uh, special planning and special transformation, we we do have a unit. Uh, it's called SIA, <coughs> which assists um, uh, us uh, in in making sure that uh, all of our projects are mapped and they. Uh, if they fall within the PhDAs, uh, it is it is uh, noted. If they fall within the PhDAs, it is also noted which PhDAs uh, it falls within. And we we encourage all the 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 the, the, pro the provinces and municipalities 
to ensure that uh, at least the, the projects that they initiate fall within um, uh, the PhDAs, even when they are looking for, for land. Uh, we always check against um, the the special plans um, of 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 the various provinces and and uh, municipalities, and we we are also looking into um, the issue of uh, contracts management. Um, I think uh, member member Chueni wanted to know how uh, our funding model. Uh, also has an impact on how we manage uh, our contracts within the agency and how we deal with uh, our contractors. I think uh, there are instances where we are required to first create value before we can uh, receive the funding. And there are instances where the provinces and municipalities uh, pay us um, the funds in advance, and uh, we then report on the work that we have done. So in instances where we are required to create value first, I think the issue of recapitalization will come in handy because then we will have our own funds that we can use, which we can then claim after we have uh, implemented projects that we are intending to partner with the with the private sector or with our our public sector partners, and um, I think, Chairperson, the last the last question that I did not get clear uh, um, from a member Mokoto is that catalytic uh, projects in Gauteng. I did not understand the question. And uh, as a result, I'm not in a position to provide a response. Um, if maybe the question could be uh, made clearer, I will I will attempt to to answer the the question. And I think uh, on the issue of the TR using Limpopo, also uh, the question was repeated by a, a, a honourable member, Mukoto, um, and. I think I had um, outlined um, how the court was um, held on the 22nd of March, and it has been remanded to to the 19th of of April. And three of our staff members who were serving in the bid evaluation committee are the ones that are subjected to that court hearing. And I also indicated that some of the Staff members within the HDA have been subpoenaed to come in and 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 and, and become uh, witnesses and, and give evidence in that matter, and uh, we will be able to come back after the 19th and uh, update the committee on the issue of Dalana. Um, there were specific questions that were asked about accruals. Uh, I also did not get the question uh, properly, but I think the member was saying, why has the, the accruals increased uh, from 78 million to 90 million? I'm, I, I wasn't sure about the question there. Thanks, thanks, Chairperson. Uh, thank you very much. And we then go to 
Uh, Chairperson Ngubani and the CEO <laughs> to respond to. Can I please ask you? Can, can we allow? Can we allow the chair the chairperson Ngubani to respond and then uh, you, you'll come back, honourable member? Chairperson Ngubani and the. Uh, this last question, which um, the acting CEO no, you are going to you are going to you are going to be allowed to do that. Uh, let's give uh, because we don't have much time. Let's allow the the chairperson of Ngubani to 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 if he wants to start responding when they what uh, honourable power has, has raised and if 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 or, or whether the CEO should take all those questions. Thank you, Chair. The Honourable Member Powell raised an issue about uh, procurement contracts uh, which are under 500,000 that have been flagged uh, by the banks. We don't mention around this uh, either arising out of our Auditor General's findings or any. Um, reports even from the whistleblowers. So, if the member would invite her to bring it to our attention, we are not aware of any uh, contracts being flagged by the banks or any uh, issues raised. And so far as we are concerned, relying on the on the audit outcomes uh, last year, uh, the procurement processes were being followed. But if there is further information that the member has, we will be more than happy uh, to look into it. And the CEO is also here. If she has any knowledge of this, uh, she can speak to it. But on behalf of the board, this has not been brought uh, to our uh, attention. And at least at the level of governance work that we are doing, uh, we. We, we, we would rather say we we have not come across uh, uh, such uh, information. There is also another point that was raised by the chairperson of the session uh, on the expanded mandate of the PPRA. I just want to indicate that uh, the 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 property values. Uh, by the way, I'm also one. I am a pro pro professional uh, valor. Uh, they are regulated in terms of uh, the Professional uh, Valors Act, and uh, that regulation is uh, looked after by uh, the Council for the uh, Professional Valors, and uh, it's situated in the Public Works uh, Department. The valuations that they do usually, in so far as it affects the state, it relates to the issues of expropriation, the issues of the buying and selling of property by the state. It also relates to the rating of properties by the municipality. The council regulates the code of conduct amongst the valuers. However, when a private individual 
uh, employs the services of a valuer to give an estimate on the property, it's really a choice that they would have made. Uh, in the value chain that I spoke about of buying and selling of property, uh, the, it's, it's not really compulsory. It's not a statutory requirement that a valuer has got to be involved in any way. Uh, hence, we draw the distinction between the property value, the estimate thereof, and the asking price. So the property could be valued at $3 million, but if I'm asking for it $4 million, that's it. That's my asking price, and it will sell uh, for that if there is a willing buyer that is going to uh, accept uh, my, my, my offer. So in the value chain that we are dealing with as the PBRA, in the context of the expanded mandate, the property valuers per se are not uh, uh, covered as part of the scope, but there is a, an agency that is looking at uh, or after the regulation of the professional valuers, and that is the Council for the Property Valuers. We, we, we have intentions to interact with them so that we can see how we can achieve synergies insofar as uh, doing our work is concerned. But I just wanted to highlight to the chair that it's not really squarely within our mandate to look after uh, the property uh, valuers and the work that uh, uh, they do. Uh, thank you. I will allow the CEO, uh, through your permission, Chair, uh, to then respond to other questions uh, that were asked. Okay, thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, I will uh, respond to the questions that the Chair has not dealt with, the Chairperson of the PPRA Board. With regard to the issue of um, the litigation with Rebosa, I think we've already reported to the Board that that litigation with Rebosa, um, 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 uh, we have we reached a point whereby um, we gave them all the information and the issue of urgency. They could not um, stand on the issue of urgency and they withdrew the matter in relation to the urgent application because we did prove to Rebosa and to and presented information to the board at the time that the fidelity fund certificates that we are alleged to not have um, processed and presented and, and issued, we had actually issued those fidelity fund certificates. I think there were seven applicants um, and of those uh, seven applicants, six had been issued. I think there was only one that was outstanding, but it was then issued prior to the date um, of the hearing. And then the matter on the, on, on the issue of agency was then removed. We then, um, the allegation that's made by Member Powell was also raised, um, I think, two or three weeks ago with, in relation to the, to the new board, where they were indicating that um, Rebosa will be taking us to court. And in fact, they presented a communication to the board, which was um, a, an internal communication between Rebosa's um, CEO and Rebosa's board. And um, it was noted that it was quite irregular that we would be um, that kind of communication would be presented to. Since then, uh, we have not received any communication or any uh, court process where uh, Rebosa is indicating that they are proceeding with the matter or that the matter has been set down for a date of hearing. And even our attorneys of record have indicated that they have not heard anything further um, other than the fact that there's been an exchange of pleadings, but there is no specific date. On the issue around um, the, 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 the contracts that are under the value of 500000 um, as far as I understand, um, 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 
those contract the, the the regulation has been amended by national treasury it is now contract for a re request for quotes it's all um, uh, matters that are under, uh, all procurements that are under a million but even uh, in the previously when we we're dealing with procurements under the amount of 500,000 the process is undertaken by SCM. They get three quotes. An assessment is made of those um, as to which um, entity meets the highest points in relation to price and to and to BEE. But obviously, with the new, uh, recent um, constitutional court judgment, we're all now obviously assessing according to price. So I think that is the process that we fo followed. With regard to the assertion that there are certain transactions that were flagged by the banks, as far as we know, there was one um, matter where the, the, the banks actually, I think in December last year, um, sent a query to us to confirm that a certain individual was a service provider of um, the EAB or PPRA. Um, currently, and we obviously made that information available as to whether as to whether that person is a service provider or not. And I believe our finance department was taking care of that matter. I can follow up to find out exactly what um, what was the final um, outcome in relation to the matter. But it was about checking whether or not that particular individual is a service provider, so that when payment is made or payment is released, they get confirmation that that person is a service um, pro provider. Um, I think on other issues, um, uh, those were questions that were directed at the HDA. I don't know, Chair, if you'd want me um, to speak to the questions that I didn't um, respond to in the previous round, or do I um, do I leave them? I'll be guided by yourself, Chairperson. Thank you. Proceed, uh, CEO. Okay, thank you, Chair. Um, I think um, a member... Um, uh, member Mufoto asked about how many PDIs had been brought into um, the real estate sector. Um, I do believe in terms of our our annual report, we did indicate that the total number of um, of East to the PDI estate age there were just over three thousand two hundred, which include your, your um, and your full status agents and your interns so that we're sitting in sitting on in terms of that and then in relation to um the the, the, the other programs that we have um i had made it part of my presentation but unfortunately because of time i didn't manage to get into um, um into those particular slides but if you look at the slides that were presented earlier you will see that in terms of um, one learner, one property practitioner. We have been able, in the past financial year, we've been able to bring in a reasonable number of um, young people into the sector. We did bring in um, a, a total of, if you can just give me one second, I'm, I'm on the slide. We did, we did bring in um, a total of um, 600, um, sorry, my apologies. We did bring in a, a total of uh, 240 learners. And the reason we brought in a smaller number was because of the fact that we were obviously subject um, to COVID and there were some problems with regard to um, services CETA. But in this financial year, we're obviously looking at bringing in between 600 and 2,000 learners. And we have obviously got a table that speaks to the different provinces and what numbers we intend on bringing in in terms of that. There was also a question around by Member Tseki. I think, uh, Honorable Member Tseki, um, I concur with the issues you've raised. And I do believe the issue of, um, of, of transformation still remains a very thorny issue. And I do believe that um, um, it, it will continue to be a thorny issue. 
issue um, until there's obviously a decisive, um, uh, there, there, there's a, a firm decision that is made that um, transformation will have to happen and it will happen, have to happen at all costs and all obstacles or persons who would want to deter or defer transformation must obviously be um, dealt with quite directly and, um, and, 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 and made sure that we, and we make sure that those kinds of people um, or that people not have age that will prevail, but rather than, rather have that be, um, being put and set aside in the name of making sure that transformation prepares. Thank, thank, thank you. Ask, you asked us a question about you about. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Can can submit those ones in writing that you have uh, so that we give the DM to chance to <coughs> to respond. I see the minister has come. Uh, the minister has come back. Um, Chairperson. So you'll share. Um, oh, Honorable Mukoto. Yes, I said I wanted to clarify that question, which was not understood by HDA, so that they can okay. be able to chapter it correctly, to capture okay. it correctly. Uh, uh, my question is, or was, why did accruals increase so dramatically from 90,000 to 78,8 million? And another question which was not responded to is, how is the instruction from National Treasury to return 195.8 million for non-compliance with DORA likely to impact on the operations of the entity. What was the essence of the non-compliance as raised by the National Treasury? Thank you, Chairperson. Okay, let's let's allow the CEO to respond before the the the, the GM. <clears throat> Thank CEO you very much of, uh, of HDA. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Um, the, the question from uh, Member Mokoto is uh, very specific. I'll have to go into um, the whole list of, of approvals to check why they increased from 90,000 to 78.8 million. Uh, it, is, it is not, uh, I, I will not be able to provide those details right now. And then on the issue of non-compliance with DORA, there's a number of uh, compliance issues with DORA as well there for the specific amount that uh, 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 Member Mokoto is raising. I will have to check what exactly in the DORA uh, uh, framework did we not uh, comply with because we we receive a number of um, um uh, funds from the various uh, provinces and municipalities that we work with, and um, we 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 have to to make sure that uh, those funds are um, accounted for uh, properly. So I'm not sure why would um, uh, Treasury say we were uh, not in compliance with DORA. We will have they, they become very specific. When they when they they do tell you the specific sections of DORA that you did not comply with, and um, I will only be able to to provide those answers when I'm sitting in front of um, our financials and um, outline exactly which portions of DORA we did not comply with. Um, can we then request a CEO to provide those answers in writing through the secretary of the committee within seven days? 
Yes, we will do that. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Thank you. DM? Chair, I'll be very fast. I see that the minister is also here so that I could give her minutes to summarize. Let me start by apologizing uh, to you, uh, Chair and the Portfolio Committee, for the conduct displayed by the CEO of the PPRA in this meeting and state that it is by no means a reflection of the entity and the Department of Human Settlements. We must respect protocol. Hold this committee at a high esteem and appreciate its role of oversight. And I do want to raise two issues. Honorable uh, Powell, the minister in, in her opening remarks passed on the issue of SIU. And she said, once the, the report is ready, it will be brought in front of the committee. I've never heard in my life hearing that this matter is under investigations and we pursue that we discuss those matters. I, there's a word, even if I'm not a lawyer, I know that once it's, it says it's, 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 it's subjudicate, it's something that you cannot discuss in the meeting until it's finalized. But the other thing that I would like to raise, which is the last issue, is that uh, maybe the CEO has her own frustrations, but she must write a letter, a formal letter, to the committee of the chair so that her matter is attended to by the committee. Because the matter that you were raised was not part of this meeting. So I would I'll advise you to write a formal letter to the, to, the, to the chair. I would like to thank all members that commended the work of the minister and her team. All the members of the committee can rest assured that all the concerns and comments that you've made will make a follow-up, make a follow-up again of the letter, uh, Honorable Powell, that said you wrote to, to DDG Cheney, will make a follow-up and you'll find the response as quick as possible. And, and for those few words, let me allow the minister to do the summary. Thank you very much. Minister Kubach. I, 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 I thought I saw the, the, the name of the minister in the list of people that are here, but unfortunately, the minister, maybe, yeah, uh, she's not here too. right I, now. I, 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 I saw the, 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 probably has not locked out uh, when he left that meeting. Um, but let, let me, me let me round up this chair by thanking all people that responded to questions, especially the chairs of the boards and also the CEOs and and the DDGs. The, the DG of the department, thank you very much. And thank the portfolio committee for advising us and also tolerate us. In all, we, we have our own mistakes, we'll correct them on the way. Thank you very much, Chair. Um, thank, thank you very much, uh, <clears throat> GM. The, there is a question from uh, Mr. Shwai from uh, uh, P, PPRA, which has not responded. 
um, CEO, can you do send those in writing? Honorable Powell was going to send other questions uh, through Colisoa, which will then be uh, directed to the department for the department to respond um, <clears throat> as a follow up as a follow up questions. Uh, <clears throat> but again, to indicate that uh, we will still have the engagement with the the department as we. <clears throat> um, continue uh, uh, playing oversight on the on the department um i'm now going to release the department and ask qualiswa uh, to table the minutes chair it's honorable powell on what honorable powell um a, 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 an internal committee request to you can we can we allow the department to leave and then we we finalize the agenda. We look at the minutes. Uh, yes, that's fine. I'll pose my question later. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Koliswa. Hello, Chairperson. The minutes uh, that we have not dealt with in the last meeting. The minutes of the 12th of November, 2021, Chairperson. Um, let me uh, uh, commit the, the DM and your team you are released. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, members, can we look at the minutes of the 12th, which was returned back? Colleagues, um, uh, can you scroll it? I hope uh, you have distributed to members in the last meeting. Yes, Chairperson. Three sets of minutes were distributed last uh, week, which is the okay. 12th, the 23, and the 2nd of 23 February and the 2nd of March. Okay. Can I get uh, members to interact with the minutes of the 12th? Any, any, any correction um, or amendment of the minutes and then... Uh, <clears throat> And then and invite members to to move yeah. for the adoption of the minutes. Chairperson, um, my apology. Yes, uh, honourable. Um, I think uh, I think I'm not sure whether you you can guide us on these minutes of the 12th. There were only two areas that uh, we differed uh, with member powers. I'm not sure whether Kulisa have uh, crafted them so that we can focus on them and, and pass chair. Chairperson. Sorry if, uh, yes, uh, Honorable Powell. Can I just, a question of clarity, the minutes that are being presented now, I presume that these are the minutes that had to do with the EAAB that we had the dispute about in committee and Kulisa then circulate, she had informed the committee that the minutes were drafted on the basis of her having listened to the recording. She then circulated the recording to us. I went through the recording and verified what was in the minutes. That was the purpose of referring the minutes back was so that we could all listen to the recording to corroborate that Kaliswa had used the recording. Is this that set of minutes? Because if so, I think we need to yes. go through. It is. Can we then go through, can Kaliswa take us through what she has edited since the minutes were referred back 
and on on what basis in terms of um, the recording? So you want it to be said by you. You don't want to be said by me, uh, Member Paul. Okay, That's the well. order. You are out of order, Member Paul. Honorable Malachi, point of yeah, order. Thanks, Chairperson. Thanks. There were no many issues even on the last meetings that we disputed. I think what we can easily do, I, unlike going with pay weight, um, Colisa can just highlight the points that were raised, which were corrected, then we move on. Because the, the 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 issues were not too many. Now we don't have to go through the whole minutes to verify that it was. There were consensus on, I can say, ninety nine percent of the minutes. It was just there and there that they had to be corrected, and that's why the video was requested. Thanks. Okay. I second that, I second that suggestion, Chair. Okay, Koliswa. Hello, Chairperson. The issue that was uh, needed to to be clarified was the issue of the. My, a, where I was, uh, I, I was uh, requested to state that it was alleged the figures that were mentioned were alleged, not the figures that were part of the presentation as per the questions that were raised. So the member alleged that the auditor general fund that amount disclosed of 143 million was alleged. So that, that was the, 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 the name alleged that was missing, that I was uh, requested to add. On, on paragraph where it said 147 million and also where it said 195.8 million chairperson. Chair, it's Honorable Powell. Can I share my screen? Because that does that wasn't alleged by any member. That is directly taken from the parliamentary research report that was circulated to us, as well as the actual audit report. It's not alleged, it's a fact. It's an audit finding. It's, I can share my screen and show you where it says that in the, in the report that was circulated to us as members from parliament. It's not an allegation, it's a finding. It's a finding of the auditor. And I'm, I'm happy to share my screen so that you can actually see the, the parliamentary report that contains that exact sentence. Okay. Um, Want me to do that quickly? Chairperson, do you want me to quickly share that report on my screen? If I can see I've got Sheen's screen sharing rights here. Um, I can just pull that report up quickly. It's actually right in front of me here. Again, it was shared with us on the 9th of March. It's a report from Parliament and you will find that figure on, um, sorry, I'm just looking for the page number. Here we go, it's on page five. Let me quickly share my screen and I'll show no, you. Honorable Powell, you are referring to the, the report of, of, of the researcher. Yes, but it's also in the yes. actual order. Yeah, let's call order. No, no, let's let yeah, me, agree, let chair. Me let's call order. Let's no, let me let me clarify it, uh, honourable power. If it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a researcher, it's still alleged. But if it's, it's auditor it's general, listen, honourable power, honourable power. If it's uh, the report of auditor general said by auditor general, external audit. When, 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 yes, listen. Honor, honor, honorable power. 
if is the is the is the is the audit report produced yes. by auditors, then we'll say the auditors indicated that. And they did. No, no, I'm saying I'm saying you when it says by you, it cannot be it's you you it's it's not it's not the auditors. It's the second information from somebody else. But it's not that the one it's alleged the audit report. Honorable but you can't powers. say that the member is alleging 100 Order, member power, listen, listen. It is out of order, member power. Honorable power, listen. Honorable power, the report of Auditor General or Auditors we have, all of us, this is to what you said. And it cannot be, you cannot trans, you cannot assume you are the auditor yourself. But Chairperson, are reflecting a statement that says that the member alleges that 147 million was incurred. It's not an allegation. It is contained in the report of the external audit. That's that's what must be changed. The sentence should should be changed to say the auditor's report said one, two, three, four. Not 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 because if it's said by you it would be allegation it's Correct. not it's not you are not yes yes well that's, what that's my point yes thanks yes. chair yes if there's the auditors if it's the auditors report then the sentence should reflect the auditors report yes. indicated that you understand what i'm saying million rand. yes agree yes. yeah. 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 So yes can we then move for that, that part? Can we yes. have the, can we have it back on the screen, Kali? So 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 we are agreeing that it will reflect that the auditors, the auditors in their in their finding, this is what they've said. Um, that that sentence should be changed to say the member the mem- the members indicated that the auditors has found that well, I want to call it so yes I understand chairperson but it yes. was not it was not part of the presentation but part of the questions so must I still say the the, the auditor general the auditor, the, no, no, I'm saying extra. It's an external auditor, not the auditor general. Uh, the the no, no, the external auditor found the member alleged that the auditor found this one, two, three, four, or you can say uh, as 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 found by the the auditor. These the member raised the following issues. Because I think that that's the language that we should we should we should use. Uh, can we then go to another one? Chair, was this the only sentence in those minutes that was changed? Um, let's go. Let's go down. I don't know which one, Kolisa. Uh, uh, there, there were repetitions of. Uh, of 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 issues and colleagues, uh, uh, so you 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 can explain what what you have done.
Hello, Chaperson. The other yes. one was on the. Okay, let me try and go down. It was also on this part of the EAAP chairperson. Yes. Members noted that the EAAP. Here? So we also added the alleged amount there of 750,000. Okay. Yes, chairperson. What did you change here, Kali? Because this, if you can go up from the part about Bruce Gordon all the way down to the 730,000 costs that was owed to Rebosa, that was what we disputed. You had listened to the recording and there was a dispute over the wording. What exactly have you changed in terms of these minutes? The alleged amount, that's 750,000. Uh, you just added the word alleged. Hmm. Okay, cool. Okay. Uh, I have offered to provide the costs order from the High Court. Again, I'm not going to dispute this uh, here. It's a waste of everyone's time. It's a it's an order of court. It's not an allegation. But um, if you want to say that it's an allegation, I it's can't. an allegation because I, I as the chairperson, I've not, I've not received that uh, honourable uh, or members or or members, all at the time you raise honourable uh, power, at the time you raise in the meeting, we didn't have that information. It will remain an allegation until we have a proof that this is what happened, and you want and, me to and, that and, uh, and and but it cannot change the minutes. Because at the time you have raised a court order, it, it, it remains it remain alleged. Okay, this is how state capture happened, Chairperson, but it's fine. Please note the DA's objection to the approval of these minutes. Okay, we, 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 and, and let, let's, let's deal with this issue of the state capture. The state capture, this uh, uh, Sector has never involved, they've never appeared on state capture. And, and, and every now and then, given the example of state capture when people are raising issues of procedure, unfortunately, it's, it's something else, honorable uh, power. Yeah, I so agree. We, we, are, we, are, we are not. For another day, Chairperson, because, but essentially yes. the lackluster approach. No, no, I'm, I'm responding. I'm responding to, I'm responding to an issue that they capture happened. And that is can, an Can we stop answer. exchanging, Honorable Member? We're looking at the minutes. Where Great. does the escape? Let's have a robust. Can I get the move, move, move out there for the adoption of the minutes? Can we get them over for the adoption of the minutes? Members, can we get the mover for the adoption of the minutes? I move for the adoption of the minutes, Chairperson. Uh, Honorable Se seconded, move. Seconded, Chair. Um, Honorable Zeki, uh, second. Thank you very much. Can we put another minutes? Uh, Honorable Sikhoi, can you mute? Honorable Sikhoi, <clears throat> start from the beginning, the minutes of the 
23 February. 23 February, go up, Honorable uh, uh, Sir Koliso. Any addition, any correction of the minutes? I don't see any hands. Uh, can I then get the mover for the adoption of the minutes? Uh, agreed, Chairperson. Uh, Honorable Zeki moved for the adoption. Can I again get the second? Chair, please note the objection of the DA. Um, the DA, uh, we noted the objection of the DA. Can we then uh, get the, we have not get the second Honorable Power. Can you wait? Honorable members, uh, can we get uh, Malachi second, the minutes? And then uh, we note the, the DA's uh, objection. Can we again have the other minutes? Can we then have, uh, yes, uh, can I get uh, any indication, the addition or um, amendment of the minutes? Chair, I don't see my name in the Minutes. Can somebody assist me? Where is the file? and Ms. NN. Or do you have any other Sifai MSNN? Chair, I didn't see the date. What is the date? The 2nd of March. Okay. Now I move for the adoption chair. Uh, 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 where's my name? Is the Honorable Sufai. <laughs> it is there, Member Sufai. Oh, oh, my eyes are losing me. <laughs> uh, Honorable Zeki moves for the adoption of the minutes. And then can we get the... I second the chair, the mover the of the minutes. minutes. The minutes has been seconded. Thank you very much. These were the minutes that we were supposed to have adopted in the last minute meeting. And uh, because of time, we couldn't do that. Um, it's 13, it's 1.1306, which is outside the allocation. We, we had an extra hour.
Um, I want to take this opportunity to thank Just honorable members. I want to raise you on very briefly, please. Okay. What, what um, is that, Honorable uh, Powell? I just wanted to ask the the Z list details that the committee runs until 12.30. And we, as a committee, just don't have enough time. All of our colleagues meet twice a week. We meet once. We've got six entities and the department. And this um, inability to really robustly engage is very difficult. On a Wednesday, Parliament starts at 3 o'clock, which means that we don't have that deadline of buses getting buses, et cetera, for the two o'clock start. Is there any way that our secretary or your office can write to maybe Z-list the meeting until 1.30? So it's four hours as a committee every week. We just have a little bit more time that we can genuinely engage on issues instead of having this very rushed approach because we, we've got the time given that parliament starts at, at three o'clock. Yeah, um, <clears throat> yes, Honorable Powell. Since we have done that, we have never even followed that three hours. Since we have started, the, the our meet, meeting have been overlapping for four hours. And deliberate, we are given the three hours uh, by the by parliament, but we usually overlap to one hour. If you check all the time, we have never finished uh, before one uh, in all the meetings that we had. Um, even if it was in four four hours, uh, we've been doing the four hours without actually giving up permission. And when terms of meeting twice and other committees meeting twice, I don't know of those committees. The <clears throat> the, the directive from Parliament, the chair of chair's office, was that members of all committees they are sitting in other committees. Therefore, um, we should use the slot allocated to us by Parliament, which is Wednesday. Uh, that's why we've been doing that. You'd remember when we were still human settlement, water and sanitation, we even tried to request more dates to meet even after hours in the evening, but at some point they were rejected. Um, <clears throat> And 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 um, and it was even emphasized. If you can access the minutes of the chairs of chairs, you can you can you can see that it was emphasized that we were given three hours, and uh, <clears throat> is a gesture of the chair to overlap for for four hours, um, <clears throat> which and and taking in cognizance that we must allow. Um, members to raise questions and 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 uh, department response to those questions. So 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 it's it's not my making. I think what you should do, <clears throat> we 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 even raise it ourselves through the chief whips forum. Uh, ask the chief whip uh, whether we cannot get extra days, and it was indicated that uh, is not possible because uh, unlike me and you, other members are serving in other committees which they have to prepare and become uh, useful in those committees. It's me <coughs> probably and you <coughs> uh, that was 
station in one committee. Other members, they are doubling their committee. The others have three committees uh, in, 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 the, in that regard. So we've tried, um, even when I was, we're still human settlement, water and sanitation, we've tried that uh, to get more time. And, and uh, we, don't, we, 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 we were warned around those issues. <laughs> Um, question we've been trying I'm saying four hours now we're doing four hours now but, there's but, no need to apply but it gives you the power to call the meeting short at 12.30 so that's why the request is that we z-list until 12.30 which means that officials are in the meeting until 1.30 it's a full extra hour which means that we won't have to submit written questions what I'm asking is that but I'm saying I'm saying, Honourable Howard, we, we did, we have requested, we have requested, we have requested extra time. We give, we're told it's only three hours. Okay, I'll and I'm saying, I'm my chief whip and bring it up if they're not listening. Thanks, Chair. Okay. Thank you very much, Honourable Members, um, and you, your availability and, and the meeting is adjourned. Thank you very much.